Welcome to Thirsty on Tune, where we drink wine and read webtoons. Hi, I'm your co-host Bronwyn, your webtoon obsessive, dopamine addicted, idiots in love, and slow burn sommelier. And I'm your co-host Chris, webtoons acolyte, enemies to lovers lover, and banter core aficionado. So pull up a page, pour yourself a drink, and let's dive in. You're thirsty on Maine, we're thirsty on Tune. regularly scheduled programming up to and including post-viral cough yeah (laughs) we are sleep deprived Mm -hmm. we are tired and we are loopy and we are at least one of us is drinking (laughs) and one of us is staying hydrated okay okay i i found and i couldn't resist getting it um um martha stewart's wine was at my store oh my god amazing and it was it was called 19 crimes which i'm (gasps) dying about seriously she named her wine after the fact she went to prison (laughs) how did she legit turn that into making herself cooler she legitimately was has become so much cooler since prison like like a thousand times right cooler. like she was just seemed like such a Karen beforehand maybe she wasn't but she seemed like she was and now she's like friends with Snoop Dogg she is hilarious TikTok videos and she named her wine after the fact that she's a felon <laughs> like I, I respect I do. you know we support women's rights but we also support their wrongs we do indeed <laughs> You do you, Martha. Oh, yeah. You know, you know. (laughs) Oh, didn't see that coming. (laughs) So what are we here to discuss today? Oh, only the best new book we have read just been so long. (laughs) Seriously. Oh, my God. And by book, Uh, you mean books? Series. Yes. (laughs) Um, We are here to talk about gay wizard book. Yes. (laughs) AKA the Adam Binder novels. Yes. Starting with White Trash Warlock and going to Trailer Park Trickster and soon soon to be be. Deadly (laughs) Druid. Woo! By David R. Slayton. Yes. We are like weeks, maybe week. I'm actually not sure. I have to look at the date again. We're very close. We yes. are very close to the release of the third <gasps> one. And I am dying. My body I, is ready. I am unwell. I, I need it in my hands and in my veins directly. <laughs> I, I don't know what I'm going to do when I get it. I'm just I think we should both take the day off work, a sick day off work, and just read it. Honestly. <laughs> What day of the week does it come out? It's just, I, just I'm, I'm a, a plan. I know I'm a need that day. Like Honestly, it's seriously, I joke, but watch me actually. Do it. <laughs> I'm losing my mind enough for that to be tempting. <laughs> like I, I just, I just keep know. listening to them yeah. over and over again in rotation with yeah. my comfort listens, which are of course my gay hockey romances and gay um, books. 
and gay wolf books of course yes. actually i haven't been able to listen to the gay wolf books recently <gasps> because my sister has been listening to oh. my files um, Fair enough. so yeah that's the struggle my mom and i share a audio account as well yeah. or, or both of we, we share we have two separate audio accounts on different services that we both share yeah yeah <laughs> <laughs> we do audible because you have to because some things are just exclusively on audible so even yeah. though i hate amazon what choices do we have yeah and then i also have a libra one um libra fm one because uh indie bookstores so exactly yeah right? so yeah the overlord and the good one <laughs> <laughs> so yes my sister and i share services as well and so she is currently i i we have a sister's trip coming up uh, in the future. And I, my stipulation for my sisters was that they both have to have read through the gay wolf books so that we can have deep talks about them while we, you know, eat our finger food and drink our wine and have deep chats. (laughs) Please Uh, to be a fly on the wall. Right. Uh, Uh, These will be up next for her though, for sure is the Adam Binder novels. So I'm excited. Get get ready. (laughs) I'm excited. I love Margie's take on things all the time so right yes yeah Yeah, she has a unique perspective and it's always amazing it is it is (laughs) so I have a blurb for you I'm so excited for your blurb I've literally stopped writing blurbs at this point I let you blurb it (laughs) (laughs) it's okay I let you genre although I'm gonna read mine and you're gonna blow it out of the water so (laughs) I don't know I don't know you've bragged about this one so we'll see (laughs) Uh uh-oh shouldn't have done that (laughs) (laughs) all right Meet Adam Binder, a young gay witch from Guthrie, Oklahoma. He has just enough magic to make life interesting, just enough family to make life complicated, and just enough courage to combine the two and fuck the consequences. (laughs) Adam is a man of two worlds and is just trying to stay low and keep moving so he can survive both. That said, death may have other plans for Adam and his friends. Mm. (laughs) That's good. Oh, death is just a full-on cunt. This <laughs> I know, but I love her anyway. I mean, look, do we support again uh, women's, women's wrongs, wrongs, even if that woman is death herself and she is a little bit cunty? I mean, <laughs> look, she's a sasshole. Okay, she is. She is awful, but also like perfect. She's exactly the way one should feel about death. I, I, I just, you know, she's unapologetic and I love her. Like I legitimately yeah. love her. Yeah. 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 Not I gonna also, lie. She makes my favorite characters. That's amazing. She makes me furious. So I don't know that she quite crosses line into favorite characters, but <laughs> story checks out though. Fair enough. Fair <laughs> enough. All right. Hit me with your genre. Okay. Romantic urban fantasy just let me love you for the love of all that is magical in unlovable hand with elves, pterodactyls, and really nice cars. Oh my God. You're so good at this. <laughs> you said, you said it was good and you were so right. I think it's my best yet. That actually a hundred percent is. <laughs> I said it was a paranormal mystery, family drama with banter, core wit and a hand and unlovable hand supernaturally caused Force proximity soulmates. Yes. <laughs> You're always better though. That was I so don't good. know. I didn't include the pterodactyls in it. So. I mean, the pterodactyls are really good. They're important. They're also, important. I think also though, like there's hand and unlovable hand, and then you there's are Nick right. and Adam. Because- I know. It, I was trying to figure out what to call them. So I actually like yours. The please <laughs> let me love you in unlovable hands. <laughs> 
I feel like we, I, I love that it's getting so incredibly long, but I feel like we need to like make a way to say that. Like, th- like we have banter core. Yes. We need, um, ah, I don't know. We'll, we'll, come up we'll workshop it. <laughs> Listeners tweet at us. Yes. What should we call it when one knows that he is lovable and wants to love the other one so hard and the yes. other one is uh, just feels so unlovable that all of the attempts of love bounce off of him like rubber off. off uh, and he just he just can't even believe it's coming. He just he can't just, even. Yeah, yeah. What what is that called? <laughs> Hear the little voice in my head go. It's called abandonment issues. <laughs> oh my god, we're gonna get into that. And in we're gonna get I into legitimately it. Legitimately wrote that down as a thing. It's called did. Chris's abandonment issues. <laughs> <laughs> The Chris patented abandonment issues. <laughs> TM, TM. <laughs> but before we get there, let's talk about our favorite characters. Oh my God, let's. This, this may be my favorite, one of my top favorite main characters we've ever talked about. Right. Adam is right up there with Cooper for me. Oh my but. God. Adam and Vic are definitely They're in Cooper everything. and Ollie. They're they so are everything. Good. Yeah, I want to talk about the ship, but let's talk about them individually first. Yes, first, yes. Um, I just knocked some of my notes over because I dramatically waved my hands. <laughs> it's fine. It's fine. It's all about the drama. It's all about the drama. <laughs> that no one but you can see. I like it. <laughs> um, Adam is so lovely. He is. Just, he's just a disaster. <laughs> but, oh, my fa- I, There are so many things about Adam that I love, but Adam as a character is just an absolute portrait in subtlety you know like there's and I mean and it's funny because none of the story elements are particularly subtle like and I don't mean that in any kind of no paranormal paranormal mystery is rarely a subtle genre it's like this is exactly what it's supposed to be like literally I'm talking pterodactyls and Mm -hmm. like you know like this story is full of these grand dramatic like things that happen it's amazing and they're very exciting and there's like you know huge sort of demony spirits overtaking denver and like <laughs> it's it's big and fun and and yeah. but and adam as a character is like a study in opposites in that way because mm-hmm. he is just he's so sm- like i don't oh i don't want to say small, but he's, he contained. Is, he's contained thank yes. you yes no he's, i agree and it, i love that for him he's so great and i love i find it so fascinating to me that he is he is a disaster especially mm-hmm. in the mortal realm but you slip over into the spirit yeah. realm and all of a sudden he has a little edge of confidence and yeah. it's not confidence in terms of like i'm blustery or mm-hmm. or um it's competence yes yes oh and that is that is competence attractive. yeah the competence boner was big in this oh yeah <laughs> Because like he, he knows when to be respectful. He knows when to speak and when not to speak. He knows, he just knows how to assess a situation. He knows how to, you know, yeah, he knows where his place is in the world exactly. and how and to he, manipulate that and how to, you know, like, yes. Oh. And he's so completely out of place in the mortal world. You know, mm-hmm. he, he is gay and he has a witch and those are both things that are incredibly looked down on where he came from. And he has mental health issues, some of which are real and some of which are uh, not actually mental health issues, but we'll exactly. get into that later. But, but some of them are real. And like, yeah. that's another thing that people don't respect about him. Like he, he is not fit easily into categories there, but then he slips into the world that he is more like 
what's the word I'm looking for? Like he fits, he actually yeah. fits very well in the spirit realm. Yeah. Ugh, I love and it. And I think that that world maybe accepted him a little bit more right off the bat as yeah. well. Yeah. Um, which might sort of, so even though it's honestly much more dangerous, mm-hmm. um, it's safer for him in a way. Yeah. Yeah. You know, like, yeah, there's a little, you know, he's a gay boy with all of these things happening where he's seeing spirits and he's speaking to things other people can't see and all of this sort of stuff in a very rural community Uh where none of that is okay yeah exactly you know and he has to figure out that he is okay right that's tough that's really tough it is (laughs) is. so you know yeah like adam is high key a good character like so he's yeah amazing I I like that you're describing him as subtle too because I think part of what makes him a such a subtle interesting character is that while we're in his perspective for the large majority of the books of both books Mm -hmm. he his self-denial game is so strong (laughs) he is affected like we're effectively in his head and he like about faces away from things frequently he'll like get to a thought and be like absolutely not yeah (laughs) and I'm out (laughs) it's amazing and so it's you know because it's really hard uh I don't know if anyone's read Gone Girl or know the story of Gone Girl (laughs) Oh my God. Um, I'm sorry, people who like Gone Girl. Also people who don't want Gone Girl spoiled. It's like a decade old, but like skip ahead, I guess. Um, <laughs> I'm about to spoil it. If there's people left who don't know what Gone Girl is, I'm about to spoil it. But the that is a story in which um, it's like a murder mystery and you're in the head of, of one of the suspects, but you don't, like the novel doesn't want you to know whether he did it or not. And it's so infuriating because you're like, but he knows if he did it. <laughs> right like why isn't he telling us that he didn't do it all the time you know what I mean like if I'm listening to his thoughts why am I still confused about whether he did it or not um and it just didn't work like they tried to play that but also hide it and I was just like how this it's 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 like you're on a murder mystery party and you haven't opened the last envelope to find out if you're the murderer or not exactly like you don't know either and that was how it was the whole time so when it like you know it was revealed that he knew he was innocent because of course he did you're like well why has why was his brain not all the time screaming i'm innocent you idiots like why was he being so creepy in his (laughs) own head um (laughs) all of that to say I love how this does it because this is one of the few times I've seen it does so effectively. Mm -hmm. You're like, yeah, of course we don't know what's going on in his past because he will do anything like this. (laughs) He's the actual meme of like men will literally fight a monster to avoid going to therapy. Like that's Mm -hmm. a binder. (laughs) I will not think about my past. I don't care. I will will go talk to the king of all elves before I will think about my past trauma. I mean, and it, I mean, it, I mean, he did have some fairly, you know, significant trauma. Oh, yeah. I can understand not wanting oh, to think yeah. about it. Like, yeah, that, 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 that would, you know, put me off too. So I'm just saying go to therapy. Yes. Dear Lord, <laughs> yes. go to therapy. Um, yeah. And I mean, I think enter Vic at that stage. <laughs> yeah. Vic. Oh my God. So we always do this. You're Vic in this scenario, I know, right? Yeah. I know him. I'm so Adam. Yeah, I know. Oh my God. <laughs> why is this all? Why? Is I this, don't know. Do we just pick books? Is it like, are we every book character couple? I, I or mean, do we just pick the ones that are? I, I feel like we must be drawn to these. I don't know, but. That is so real. <laughs> 
<laughs> yeah, Vic is a Vic is very you. <laughs> yes, I love him. alarmingly so, but I do love him. He's great, He's- which I mean, I guess says good things about my self esteem. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> he is so wonderful. He is like happy and he's curious and he's accepting and he's loving and oh he's so great he's just like I love that he just rolls with the punches yes you know like that's my favorite character kind of character in a supernatural thing is the one that's like yep okay let's do it and it in but there's a very specific character trait that I need in those characters yes which is he thinks about the stuff. Uh-huh. It's not that he's just like, okay, yeah, sure. That happened. And it didn't bother me because that stuff kind of gets on my nerves after a little while Yeah, because it's sort of like, but, but that would bother you. <laughs> I would be curled up in a little ball, but the reality is with Vic, he thinks about it and he decides, is this worth my energy to get upset about? Yeah. Do I have the spoons for this? <laughs> yes. He has incredible boundaries. Yeah. An admirable one. I wish that I could dismiss things as easily as he does. It's like, nope, don't need to worry about that. And like, yeah. he's, he's, he starts setting those boundaries from the minute we are introduced to him, where he yeah. delineates the difference between his behavior as cop Vic and his behavior as friend Vic. Yes. And oh boy, will I be getting into my thoughts on that? Cause I have that in themes. Oh, oh, do I ever (laughs) like book one Mm. was incredible and I loved it. What a great story, but book two. Oh Oh, boy. Oh, book two. Book one. Okay. We're getting, we're dangerously close to themes at the moment. So I'm going to leave it here. Yes. Because we have more characters. (laughs) Yes. There's a reason book one, I think, spoke to me particularly and there's a reason book two spoke to you particularly and I think we have to get into it okay but first we got to talk about Bobby yes we got to talk about Bobby <laughs> oh my god Bobby was the character that took me on the biggest journey yeah. <laughs> I hated him oh yeah so hard until like there's one moment in the middle of the book where I flipped around so dramatically I was like do I love him now? And then by the second book, I was like, Bobby, (laughs) I know, I know. Like there were a couple of chapters because you do get it quite a bit of, not quite a bit, but like, you do get a fair bit of Bobby's perspective in the first book. And like, there were a couple of chapters where I was just like, seriously, I have to be in this guy's head. That's it. Exactly. Cause we're in his head, but it's, it doesn't immediately absolve him because his thoughts are also really frustrating. And yeah, like, Oh my God. Until you understand the why yeah which again we'll get into in themes oh my yes. god oh my god our theme section of this podcast is just going to be the longest theme section <laughs> we've ever done it's so true I'm worth so it many. <laughs> worth it worth every moment of it also I feel like we need to say right up here we probably should have said it I don't know 10 minutes ago we're we always get spoiler on this show but these are the books that are incredibly prone to spoiler and we're gonna get into it yeah so stop stop Mm-hmm. Go read. Go read them. And honestly, if you at all enjoy audiobooks, at yes. all, 
get the audiobook versions of these because holy crap the voice actor in this is good it's yeah it's real good it's like real good folks you can get get physical copies of these which is rare i feel like a lot of ours are ebooks that we talk about you could get a physical book of this now and and they're beautiful presentations i want them (laughs) i already own them in audio and in ebook i know i know i know i need the trifecta Oh my God. They're so it's beautiful. So true. It's so, so true. So go get them because we are about to spoil like every fucking every, that everything <laughs> that happens. Yeah. Here on out. It, I mean, you, we haven't been that bad so far. That's why I want to say it now because here on out, we go get real spoil real yeah. fast. So. Yeah. No holds barred friends. No holds barred. <laughs> so who do you have next on your list? Uh, Jesse. Yeah. I have Jesse with chaos, obviously. Oh my God. I love Jesse. <laughs> I love Jesse. I love Jesse in a lot of ways. He's our, he's kind of like our sunshine boy. He really is. I, I yeah. Love I hope we get more Jesse, or maybe like Jesse gets to be a bigger part. That's I, the same thing. I have a little. I don't know why I said that was no, two but that was amazing. <laughs> uh, I was just gonna skate right past it. I was I not gonna that. call you out, but you're um... so sweet. <laughs> I do have a thing that I'm gonna bring up for Jesse later in my sort of like ooh predictions. Yeah. Yeah. So. <gasps> yeah. I, oh, I love that whole family. I love I their mom. I love yeah. Jesse. I love little. I, oh my god! Again with the voice actor, the way Jesse yells, chaos! I'm. <laughs> I know. Oh, oh my god! I I, uh, I nope nope. It's themes. I got it. Okay. Stop moving it. on. Moving on. Moving on. Moving <laughs> on. Tilly. Tilly oh, May. Tilly yes, May? Tilly May. I love her. She's so interesting to me. I can't even say I love her necessarily, but I respect the F out of her. She is so. I think I love her, but not in a warm way. Yeah. (laughs) Does that make sense? I find her fascinating. Yeah. Like I I want to know everything, but I don't have a, I don't have a warmness or fondness for her. No, exactly. But I understand her. Like I I also don't blame her. No. If that makes sense. I feel very similarly about her as Adam does, I think. Yeah. (laughs) Just like, oh, she just makes me sad. (laughs) Like one of the things I love most, I mean, there's a lot of things I really like about uh, David's writing. Yeah. Um, It's lyrical. It's beautiful. Mm. It's dryly funny. It's just got this hint of humor and heartbreak at every word that is in here you know yes but one of the things I love especially about David's writing is the the characters the way he writes and creates Mm -hmm. these characters that are so fully fleshed out that Mm -hmm. they're complete people like after barely knowing anything about them after barely being even introduced to them there's somehow you you can hear them in your head you know how they're going to react and Mm -hmm. like like them or not you feel something for them right and you under you will understand like whether you are like whether you can see yourself getting to the place they're at or not you get how they did yeah you see their journey for sure oh my god yeah it it's it's a challenging book I think that's a for a paranormal mystery romance, <laughs> it's a weird thing to say, but these books no, are No, it's true. It's challenging. absolutely true. This like, is not a fluff read. This is not something no. you throw on when you don't need to think about it. And I love those. Like, that's not to be judgmental. Oh, yeah. I need those in my life. Absolutely. But this, Mm-mm. there are so many layers to this. You could be peeling this onion for years. You could, this, honestly, you could teach this in a like college level English lit class and have 
all of the students write essays about it, none of them would be the same essay. <laughs> like, exactly. It is. Uh, it's so smart. Oh God, mm-hmm. I wish I could teach a lit class. That would be really fun. <laughs> <laughs> I think you could probably teach a psych class on this one too, to be I fair. Mean, uh, I mean, I've always wanted to do a psych lit class. I think that would be very fun, but right. you know, one day I'm currently off the bandwagon of teaching. So. <laughs> yes. Fair enough. I, I should just go back to my lecture snaps. <laughs> oh yeah. Or you could go over to Gotham Outsider and listen to my psych lectures that I'm doing over there. <laughs> I know. I love that. Thank you. Wow. Do you love that little self? <laughs> just have them naturally. In Amazing. Amazing. Uh, so who's next on your list? Argent. Mine too. <laughs> I love Argent. Yes. Argent is the elf character we meet first and who would be absolutely at home in a Fast and Furious movie. <laughs> she just loves uh-huh. fast cars and faster dialogue. And she is just chaotic and wonderful and ding 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 do we have our loki variant of the episode oh yes we do a thousand percent we do <laughs> i love her <laughs> oh my god it's i just she's you know and i think this is it's funny actually because this i definitely came to with the uh, audiobook i needed to hear it yeah. as argent because yes. if i ha- when i'm reading this in the ebook form i yeah. i read it in the french pronunciation right oh. argent always oh so very fancy yeah <laughs> well I, I thought, no, I mean, it sounds fancy to me. <laughs> I, I went immediately to Argent, even in the E version because of Teen Wolf. And there's like an entire family in Teen Wolf that are the Argents. So I was just like oh. immediately there. One well, day I'll get you to fall down the Teen Wolf wagon with me. It's a great place to live. Argent is silver in French. So, uh, oh my God. <laughs> and her brother's <laughs> name is silver. Yeah. Cause they're named oh after the color. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I didn't know that. <laughs> the more you know. <laughs> the more you know. <laughs> Listeners, I swear I'm not an idiot. It just sounds like it tonight for some reason. <laughs> Ooh, I did not take my smart pills today. <laughs> <laughs> There's still time. <laughs> I don't think so. I think they're lost. <laughs> Wait, uh... <laughs> uh, we also need to talk a little bit about Spider the Cat. Spider the Cat is also on my list. Because Spider the Cat is amazing. And I'm pretty sure Spider's a psychopomp. That's my I, theory. That makes sense. Or like a, um, is it a gherkin? Is that what they're called? That's wrong. I think the ones from uh, Captain Marvel. I mean, are gherkins pickles? <laughs> <laughs> what, is the, what are the cats from? <laughs> oh my God. Where's Steve? I can hear him yelling. Yep. Just a second. He's here. Uh, yes, please. Steve. <laughs> What is the cat in Captain Marvel called? What is the species called? Flurkin. 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 Oh, <laughs> so close. They called it a gherkin. Pickle? Yep. <laughs> oh my you God, know, we're leaving this in. <laughs> oh, we are. We are. That is significantly closer than my guesses usually are. <laughs> Flurkin or gherkin? Gherkin. <laughs> gherkin. Hey, I could have called them a merkin and it could have been a wig for your vagina. I'm just saying. <laughs> We were close. It could have gone the other way. <laughs> I need you all to know, listeners, that Steve listened to our last episode and immediately sent me a message about Titus the dog. <laughs> he was so mad, but he said it so nicely because he is a very nice man. But he was like, oh. <laughs> and then didn't Titus immediately show up on the Batman Wayne Family Adventures? I swear to 
blog that dog has not been in a single comment for like decades and the day i mess up his name he shows up in wayne family honestly even bob ryer didn't remember him i know he's rare exactly (laughs) people are gonna immediately start tweeting us panels of where he's been for the last decade and it's just gonna turn out i haven't been reading the right comics but it's fine (laughs) that's fine He hasn't been in the gay comics. I know. I call myself a bat obsessive, not a bat expert. There are different. Exactly. Exactly. (laughs) What were we talking about before Merkingate happened? Oh. I think spider the kitty psychopomp (laughs) or a flurkin or a flurkin I could totally see spider just unhinging his jaw and like tentacles come out too I I think that the two are not mutually exclusive he could be a flurkin psychopomp he really could he really could oh my god hold on I gotta pause because I gotta tell you something oh okay well (laughs) flurkins merkins gherkins you know exactly somebody make a poem rhyming all of those things (laughs) Oh no! Oh no! <laughs> yes, yes, do it. <laughs> I feel like that's a gish thing. Oh my god, you're so right. <laughs> no. uh, and anyway. I'm yeah, I'm not gonna lie. Death made my list. Death didn't make my list, but that's I, okay. I think death is fascinating. I you love said death. That every time death has come up in any book, yeah, I, I feel like that there is like a goth kid inside of you. Yeah, if I could pull it off, I I tried very briefly to be a goth kid, but I smile too much and I look like I am about a minute old, especially when I was a teenager. You should have seen me. I could have been a zygote. Um, You've seen me in my goth phase. I've sent you pictures. Yeah. So I also smile too much. I very much did not pull off the goth look. It just didn't work. Um, But yeah. So just a lot of layers. Goth clothes are not comfy clothes. No. I like cozy. Yeah. Yeah. Cozy core is definitely more me. Right. Right. You know, I, I, you know, (laughs) the corporate PJ. (laughs) Yeah. Let's just be honest. We want to be farming in our cottage core farms with, uh, with Magneto. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) That's all we want. Exactly. And Chris Chris Pine. (laughs) Yes, exactly. (laughs) But no, I think I love this portrayal of death. I always love the character of death. I really do. I always think that that is such a fascinating it's a fascinating story it's a fascinating character it's a fascinating concept to me mm-hmm. um but i really like this characterization of death um because she has a little bit of agency mm-hmm. and I, I don't mean that in terms of power because obviously she's extremely powerful mm-hmm. um so it's not just like a little bit of agency she's like the most powerful yes um but i mean in that she has her own motivations yeah, and her own kind of uh the things that she cares about but it's not an intense thing mm-hmm. you know where where the humans and even the the elves and the other sort of uh spirit realm mm-hmm. races they tend they seem to be more motivated by their emotional natures yeah she is not as motivated by her emotional nature. She's more motivated by her sense of um, order. She's calculating. Very calculating. Mm-hmm. But it doesn't negate the fact that she has her own motivations. Yeah. And that those are driving her. Mm-hmm. And so that's what sort of what I meant by her own kind of agency yeah. in this, right? Yeah. And it, I think that's a, it's a fascinating portrayal because she's not uncaring, she has mm-hmm. her own sense of 
morality is just completely foreign to everyone else. Mm -hmm. You know, she, she views all of these individuals as tools. Yeah. They are so far outside of her realm that that's the limit of their utility. Mm. But that doesn't mean she doesn't care about them. She, she wants her tools to be put away clean and (laughs) maintained well when they're done. You know, like, yeah, not people are not necessarily disposable to her until they are. Yes. (laughs) But not without care. Not without, not without cause too. Yeah. So like, I, I just, I think that's such an interesting, it's very difficult when portraying characters that are not human. Mm-hmm. to remove the humanity successfully yeah that she's completely inhuman but she is completely inhuman without being amoral without being mm-hmm. um unrelatable without being a character we can't understand yeah and without being because i think the other tendency is uh, unfortunately and we can spend time unpacking this at some point because it will definitely come up at some point the other tendency is to make them basically autistic right is yeah. to go data or spock or mm-hmm. i don't know why all my examples are star trek but that's who comes to mind immediately right mm-hmm. like they make make them unhu- quote unquote inhuman by making them neurodivergent which exactly on the one hand they're great depictions of neurodivergence on the other hand that tendency is problematic deeply Deeply. whereas she is very much not in any Mm -hmm. way no neurodivergent she is actually inhuman yeah and just the skill with which that is crafted Mm -hmm. oh i find that so incredible so So are we concluding that david is in fact a a, of the spirit realm like he's just not a person right that's what we've concluded i mean he definitely has that kind of <laughs> level of talent he has some insight in there i'm yeah. just saying <laughs> david yeah. are you an elf <laughs> <laughs> you can tell us buddy you can tell us just slide into our dms and let us know we won't tell anyone we swear <laughs> oh oh my god um Annie is next on my list. Oh, oh God. Annie got such a raw deal. She did. She did. Annie is, Annie is a very impressive character too. I do want to say this a lot, but there genuinely are no unimpressive characters in these books. No, it's true. Because Annie could easily be the classic fridged wife Mm -hmm. character. So remember how we said we're going to spoil horrors because she gets real fridged. Yeah. But, but not really she dies but she doesn't she doesn't get fridged i guess is what i'm trying to say because she is a full person Mm -hmm. we don't get to see her be a full person but we get to know her through the people who did see her as a full person she isn't there's this person on tiktok that does these videos the dead wife videos have you heard of or seen these no she makes (laughs) she makes all these videos as if she's the flashback dead wife in every movie and (gasps) they're so funny there she's always like christopher every time you see sunset think of me christopher you know (laughs) it's just like that's our thing it better be ruined for you if i die (laughs) 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 but she isn't that she's like a whole person and i'm obsessed obsessed deeply with the fact that even though she never really met Adam or never at all met Adam, she knows that he's a part of Bobby's life and she just sends him emails to keep him a part of it, to know, let him know that as far as she's concerned, he's family. Yeah. 
even while the brothers never speak ever, yeah. you know, after that, the point that they cut off, which is well before Annie came into his life. Yeah. She and, commits herself to being the bridge between them. Yeah. Without ever pushing either one of them to be involved with the other. Yeah. Just being there in a way. And it's so powerful and it's powerful to Adam too. It's like yeah. the driving force for him in the first book is that she is someone who cared about him, even though she had no reason to. Exactly. I love her. Oh, I, you know, honestly, and it's amazing to me again, that you can get so much empathy for and, and yeah. And caring about this character that we legitimately don't actually meet. No. No, because she's well and truly possessed by the time we see her. Yeah. So you're only, and, and the flashbacks to Annie are not like, I don't want to say they're not a significant part of the book because obviously they're significant. They but define they're not, her they as a character, but they space. don't take up yeah. a not a lot of, an awful lot of space. Like they're, they're yeah. just powerful snippets. Yeah. So yeah, no, Annie's great. Annie's I a know. really interesting character. Yeah. Oh. Do you have more characters to shout out? I mean, all of them, but I know. No, I moved on to ships at this stage. I have one, I have one more, but it's so bad. I didn't write down his name and I've totally blanked on it. Who is the elf in the second book? The elf in the second. Oh, uh, Vran. Vran. Thank you. I, I was trying to write my note earlier and I was like, oh my God, what's his name? (laughs) Ocean boy. (laughs) Yes, that's exactly it. I was like, ocean boy, my second Loki variant of the series. Oh my God. I love him so much. I couldn't think of the name Bran. I love Bran. I I love him so much more Bran. Oh my God. He definitely shows up for me in predictions. I, I should hope Bran just like he blows into the seed. He causes nonstop chaos. Like he is... At, he, so if Argent is like a kind of refined chaos, Bran is an unfettered chaos. He's yes, like, she is elegant. Yeah, he is goth boy, pouty oh emo God, kid. Yeah. He is, and he just like he does not care what kind of destruction he leaves in his wake, and no. I love it. He's a very different kind of inhuman. Yes, but also a little bit inhuman. Yes, he's one of my favorite archetypes. When when I used to write a lot of like. Uh, role play stories I would play this character a lot who's surprised right the the shocked face like complete (laughs) agent of chaos like youthful spirit character was one of my favorites to write always so great and I love the way he's described in the book and like right down to his his sort of dark navy blue nail polish and his lipstick and like I just oh my god right he's oh he's fabulous he's he's everything and I love him yeah (laughs) oh my god ships (laughs) okay I mean obviously Vic and Adam obviously when I read this book every snap I sent you was I need you to read this because of Vic and Adam like everything is good yeah but Vic and Adam (laughs) yes they are one of my OTPs of all time oh yeah oh yeah I can't they really destroy me (laughs) I they I speechless <laughs> it's not helpful for a podcast no but it, it made, oh god it's honestly they are like woven through the themes so much we'll talk about them a lot more yes. because their relationship drives a lot of what I want to talk about about this book yeah um, but just like what it drives and tempers it like it yeah it's such an interesting counterpoint to yeah. a lot of the drama in the story as well yeah. like I just yeah 
and it definitely falls in the category of romance that we particularly like, which is where the getting together and staying together is not the driving drama. It's mm-hmm. the how do we be together? Exactly. I love that. <laughs> I do too. It's so great. I love that there are quiet moments with them. I love that. Well, yeah, no, we're going to get into this. In themes. All right, let's <laughs> do it. Let's do we have other ships? I do have other ships. Okay. I have two them. other ships. Okay. So I'm one so excited. is Vic's parents. Oh yeah. So They're true. so cute. Oh my They're God. They're so cute. Oh my God. I, I love, I should have included his dad, his ghost dad. Yeah, I know. Ghost dad is amazing. Ghost dad is amazing. Oh my God. We only see him as a ghost, but I'm so invested. I know he comes up later in story specifics yeah, for yes. sure, but uh, I just love the way um, we get the story of their love you know, where it isn't just this perfect storybook love. And it's just the, you know, like where, where Vic's dad cheated on his mom and she just about kicked him to the curb and he begged her for forgiveness. And she's like, okay, I have to pro con this. There's a lot of pros here, but that sucked. Yeah. If you uh, pull your shit together. Of course you would find it so romantic that there is a pro con. Let's (laughs) Look, I am what I am. You are what you are so hard. <laughs> One of these days, we're going to read that romance novel with the uh, sexy uh, spreadsheets that I yes. told you about. Look. We're going to do that on the show. Spreadsheets are sexy. They're, they're sexy. They are sexy. <laughs> and I have a one crack ship. Oh, my God. <laughs> and I, oh, God, I want it so bad. And it's a, it's total crap. I have a guess. Okay, but go. Okay. No, no. Guess, guess, guess. You've already told me that Vren comes up in your predictions. Yes. So I'm wondering if he's half of the ship. He is not. Okay. Then my guess is gone. Okay. <laughs> Who is it? Argent and Jesse. <gasps> I okay. I was gonna guess the other half was Jesse. I just couldn't figure out who you had Jesse with. That would be cute. They both right? love cars I so know. much. <laughs> you work in the shop together. <laughs> I like that. Oh, I like that. Right? That's really charming. <laughs> oh my god. It could be cute. It'd be really cute. <laughs> oh. Let her have her sunshine boy. That would exactly. be amazing. A sunshine boy is exactly what Argent needs. She would treasure him. Yes. Mm. I love exactly. that. Oh my God. <laughs> okay. I'm on board. Yay. I'm down. I'm down. Exactly. All right. Should we stop teasing them and just dive into our themes? Yes, I think so. <sighs> Where do you start? Oh my God. Chris's abandonment issues. <laughs> Now listeners can know for sure that I'm the one doing this to me because it's been every book that I've picked for the last, I don't know how many times. All of them. <laughs> I think we could rename our podcast, the like trauma healing of Chris. <laughs> um, and it mm-hmm. would not be far off. This book was incredibly healing. I'm I told you this at the time when I read it and I was, mm-hmm. I haven't been the same since like, that is not a dramatic thing to say. It really did. It, uh, it came up in therapy. Nice. <laughs> I mean, cause the, it really did something to me. Yeah. Specifically the stuff with him and his brother and the abandonment issues that came from there. Yeah. You say stuff first. <laughs> I'll get into it. I need a moment. 
Okay, no, fair enough. All right. So, uh, I mean, obviously, there's a lot of kind of sources for potential abandonment yeah. issues here. Like, yes. poor, poor Adam has got some trust issues, uh-huh. right? Uh-huh. I mean, starting, of course, with his abusive dad, um, his mom who didn't stand up for him. Yeah. Uh, you know, that culminated in a trauma he definitely didn't remember. <laughs> until much later in the book where his brother kills his dad to save his life so but then he's effectively abandoned by his dad because yeah he never sees his dad again and doesn't actually know why because he doesn't know that his dad has died because he has either blocked this or didn't understand what was happening at the time yeah and he was like six so very possibly you know right genuinely doesn't remember you know, then he grows up and he doesn't understand what's happening to him because the spirit world is coming into this whole situation and, you know, he can't tell what's spirit and what's real. And so his brother with his mother's complicity has him committed to a mental institution Yeah. with other complicity that we don't find out about until much later in the story. Mm -hmm. (laughs) But he literally is just abandoned yeah. at this mental health and fully facility. he's not just committed he's committed and then bobby leaves he is just gone never checks back in never wants to know what happens to him after and this is his brother who he has always relied on this is his brother who is 10 years older than him who has looked after him who has been yeah. the one who has stood up for him historically right and is now <laughs> just gone yeah you know, and then he, in, in even trying to process some of this information overload and these different things or whatever, he meets this beautiful elf that he falls deeply in love with and finally has this sort of emotional connection to. And then Parak is gone. Yeah. With no explanation. Yeah. So and then yeah. He, he literally, basically the first chapter says after that, he stopped trusting people. Yeah. He, he says, I never let them closer to than a kiss is the line. Yeah. Excellent line. Oh. I, I mean, yeah. you know enough about my life to understand yeah, why this book went. I do hard. Yeah. Um. Yeah. It's it's interesting to because I think um, siblings are such a unique. They can cause such unique trauma in your life, and I think that this book speaks to that in a way I've never ever encountered in anything. Yeah. Ever like. The only the other thing that I think is closest to that is the show Shameless. I think I've told you before this book and Shameless are like very similar in my head because mm. it also gets into the same themes about sibling trauma, which is that hitting on this idea of like they are people that you rely on, especially age gap uh siblings, which I have three same. of, <laughs> right? But I'm um, the elder in this situation. Yeah. And I, I am the youngest in my situation. And when you have significantly older siblings they become something in your head that's different than if you had a sibling that's like mm-hmm. right there in age it's like a third parent kind of and, thing well and it's hard to manage from the other side as well For like sure yeah you it's very difficult to manage a relationship where you don't know how you're being perceived yeah absolutely and it's not it's sort of unavoidable that they yeah. become something you respect something that like shapes you but as a kid you can't perceive the fact that they are also a child yeah. You know, so they don't become a child. They're so much ahead of you. And when you're a kid, somebody who's like a year ahead of you seems like an ancient being, right? Exactly. Like, so somebody who's 10 years older, like that person should know what they're doing 
even though they're, they're spoiler like, alert, they don't. we don't. <laughs> why would they? You know, <laughs> like they are children. They're literal children that yeah. you're putting the same faith in that you do as a parent. Mm-hmm. And I think the thing that when I said earlier, this book like both unlocked and healed trauma for me was I have never fully understood at a, such a visceral level how much. I was holding on to anger that my brothers were not more perfect because I didn't think that I wanted them to be until I was reading it from Adam's perspective and then seeing Bobby's journey and realizing that he fucked up bad, like Mm -hmm. bad, but also he shouldn't have ever had to be the one to make that choice. No, I know. And that's actually one of the reasons why Tillamae is hard for me. Yeah. Um, Yeah. Because I relate not entirely to Bobby, obviously, because Bobby was a jerk and I tried not to be yeah but that said like as the older sibling by more than a decade it there is a lot of responsibility there and there you know and and I oh god I I went off to university when my sister was 11 was no eight yeah you know I'm just like I left home I'm I moved away and and you know I came back I came back I came back I went to school I did all sorts of things but <laughs> no, exactly. Like, right. It, exactly. Um, I'm just at this moment going, wow, is this why we're friends? <laughs> right? <laughs> like, I know. Did we both fall into a role in each other's lives that we needed. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, <laughs> um, that hadn't occurred to me until this moment. But uh, true, but like truly, I think the thing that resonated so hard for me in this book and that I literally brought up to my therapist was this idea of, I, I held against them something that should never have been their responsibility. And so, you know, that, that is the arc of this is Adam learning to understand that he, it was messed up what he did. It really hurt him. Yeah. And it was wrong. Like it was the it was wrong, wrong thing straight to do, up. Yeah. which I think is really interesting. Again, we're talking about how good of a writer David is. Yeah. Uh, if you're listening, David, we're just going <laughs> to keep fanning over you this whole time. Um, but he, he really does effectively make Bobby make a bad choice that by the end of the book, you're like, okay, but I understand. Like, yeah, I do. It was, it was real messed up, but I do yeah. understand. Like, and, and, and I think it helps that that Bobby regrets it. Yeah. But he you know? doesn't when we first meet him, which is no. why he's hard to love at first. Exactly. Because right? he won't even, he doesn't acknowledge. Yeah. You know, and, and because he hasn't been able to, to see or acknowledge the, the spirit realm. Yeah. That he doesn't acknowledge that what he perceived as the right de- decision at the time was influenced by that yeah. situation. Right? right. So, but it's as he starts to, through Annie understand that yeah okay this is not black and white this is more complex which is a theme I am going to bring up <laughs> yes and um, me too <laughs> yeah. I mean um he's faced with the fact that maybe his memories of this and maybe his thought process of this and yeah. maybe all, all of the things that led up to that and everything that was maybe that was compromised yeah and you know this the the spider web of connecting themes this connects to me to two things that I wanted to talk about and it sounds like a third one that you want to talk about (laughs) because um I think there's this really strong theme of magic 
the metaphor of magic being generational trauma. Mm, yep. Um, which I want to get into, dig deep into, but the other one being how we react to people with mental illness. Yeah. Um, because obviously like Annie and Adam are not, they're, they're possessed yeah. or well, one's possessed, one had a vision, you know, the vision, but it's very much a metaphor for like the way we treat people with mental illness. Like Bobby mm-hmm. really dismissed him, got rid of him when he wasn't normal enough. Well- uh, and there's an element of discomfort deep deep right and so like as a society we are not good at sitting in discomfort mm-hmm. and he there's found, a, he found him embarrassing yeah there's like, a lot of reasons for that there's a lot and i mean uh, you know i mean obviously you know you go back to the patriarchy and go back yeah. to white supremacy and all of this like, it's rooted in all of these things but it's more complicated than just those things it's yeah. there's a lot going on here but as a people we are not good at sitting in discomfort and so when things make us uncomfortable we mm-hmm. we we want to explain them away we want to not look at them we want to do all sorts of things and so until we become comfortable with something it's easier to just not deal yeah and like sometimes you just don't have the spoons to deal with stuff and you have to figure out where the line is am, am i being a shithead for not dealing with this mm-hmm. or is this actually too much <laughs> yeah and i think and, the thing with bobby is it's both like yeah. he, he really was a shithead for the yeah. way he dealt with it but it was too much for him yeah there just was other ways to handle yeah, there were just it. literally literally any other way that's that um, he was extremely like, he was totally unsupported by his mother 100%. And he was absolutely misled by another adult figure in his life. Exactly. Yeah. So, yeah. Like the, he, he. Yeah. It's he did under, not make this decision by himself and he shouldn't have had to make it at all. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. No, you're totally right. But as being somebody who works with mental illness and has mental illness, you know, I've experienced that kind of mm-hmm. people being discomforted by the reality <laughs> of my emotions. I know, I know. <laughs> both have experienced that, right? Like especially when I was a teenager and I didn't have coping skills yet, the way Uh, 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 I I imagine it was very hard for people to be around me, but there were things that I needed that I didn't know how to ask for. And that is again, why is this book so healing? We get to watch Adam start to get those things with Vic and Vic's family. Yeah, (laughs) Like, especially the way that Vic's, you know, whole family, especially the way Jesse just like, I love this kid and he is now part of my family. Oh my God. I actually wrote down a whole thing about how Jesse is so amazing. This is one of the reasons why Jesse is one of my favorite characters, but it's because of all of the people in both of these books, yeah. Jesse makes Adam the most comfortable. Yes. Because Jesse just walks in yeah. and accepts Adam for exactly who he is, but yeah. not the spirit stuff. He yeah. doesn't, he isn't discomfited by the spirit stuff, mm-hmm. but he actually accepts Adam for who he is in the mortal realm. Yeah. And that's not something he ever gets. Exactly. You know, yeah. and it's not to say that Vic isn't you know, amazing and perfect and all of these things. Cause Vic is. is incredible for that, but Jesse doesn't want anything from yeah, exactly Adam and Adam doesn't want anything from Jesse. So it's a more comfortable relationship. It's not yeah. sexually charged. It's not emotionally yeah. charged. It's just yeah. easy. And then we have like my favorite character dynamic is where Vic sees the trauma 
and starts to heal. It's not the right word because you can't heal mental illness with love to quote Heartstopper. Uh, but it's, he, he does corrective emotional experiences mm-hmm. for Adam. <laughs> exactly. Listeners, you can't see me waving my hands dramatically as I struggle to find that word, but that was what just <laughs> happened there. Um, but he provides these experiences of you can trust, you can be safe, you can communicate, or, you know, actually we have to talk about your past at some point, Adam, with yes. you know, the entire plot of the second book. <laughs> <laughs> oh, just, dear Lord. He does that and he stays. And I mm-hmm. think that it, that is very healing to read. Extremely, extremely. Him sticking around regardless <sighs> is yeah. extremely healing. Without compromising his own boundaries. He does both. And it's exactly. so powerful. And like, that's a mad skill set. Oh. It is a mad skill set. Because one or the other can be easy, not always is, but to do both. <laughs> oh my God. Exactly. It's aspirational. It is aspirational. <laughs> Vic is who we all wish we could be. Yes, exactly. Oh, but <sighs> we do need to talk a little bit about how it starts in the first and then goes into the second, especially this concept of things aren't just black and white. Yes. Oh you my know, God, yes. And I mean, obviously we've talked about how this book is incredibly layered. This series is incredibly layered. There's a lot going on here at all times. So you wouldn't think that anything would be presented as black and white, but a lot of concepts sort of start that way, right? You know, we have Vic as the good cop, you know, we have him quote, quote fingers. Yes. Yeah. (laughs) We'll get get into it. That's the rule, right? Um, We have, you know, we have, um, you know, killing is bad. Mm-hmm. You know, you're, there's good people, there's criminals, there's this, there's that, like it's, it's, it's one way or it's the other. Mm-hmm. We have, we have the mental illness idea, you know, like that. Okay. Mm-hmm. When you have somebody with mental illness, you put them away, mm-hmm. you put them away. Mm-hmm. So you don't have to deal with it. You can move on with your life. You can get your white picket fence. You can mm-hmm. move away from your white trash roots. You can. Right. Yeah. You know? Or even this idea that middle class is better than, right. You know, that, small town south and yeah classism is a big old theme in all of oh this. it's in here too yep my- <laughs> i have it there too it's in the and notes. it's i think it's so great the way it's mirrored on both sides of the veil i think so too fascinating stuff fascinating oh i just you can't every time you turn a corner you're gonna find something else to talk about in this book That's holy really crap um but i love the way that journey from black and white to gray is personified in Vic and his explorations mm-hmm. of why he's no longer comfortable in his role as a police officer. Yes, here we go. <laughs> and how he gets there from when he finds out about how Tillamé and Bobby ended up killing Adam's dad. Yeah. Um, yeah. And how Adam didn't tell him that. Mm-hmm. because Adam didn't want to put him in that position mm-hmm. where he would have to turn in Bobby and Tilla May mm-hmm. because he's a police officer. Yeah. 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 I, I have this, you have it written down as uh, shades of gray or something like that. I have it written mm-hmm. down as uh, nice is different than good. The quote from into the woods. Yes. <laughs> um, but also like lawful is different than good. And lawful have, is incredibly different than good. We had this discussion in my ethics class because 
as a therapist, one of the things we have to think about is what happens when our therapeutic values like conflict with law, Mm -hmm. which can happen, especially in the U.S. right now in certain states with abortion laws and like Mm -hmm. confidentiality not existing for abortion, you know, and things. I mean, that that hasn't gone through, but it certainly could um, at any time. Um, so, so insane. Or, or that, you know, that Texas tried to make a law that therapists would have to report trans kids and like, you know, legally have to report them. And so we had this whole discussion about, okay, so what happens when our absolute ethics, like the, the ones that are not up for debate run directly counter to the law. Yeah. And it's, it's very interesting to me because there's no comfy answer for that. No, there really isn't. Because at any point along that spectrum of argument, you have to be prepared for the fact that there are going to be consequences and you have to be willing to accept what those consequences are to move forward. Yeah. And like, there are, there are a more, not amoral, but immoral laws. Yes, absolutely are. Oh my God. There there always have been always. Yeah. Always. Like it's, it's just like the concept that history is written by the victors. Mm-hmm. Laws are written by the victors. Yeah. Laws are written by the people in power. People in power are corrupted by power. This is the thing we've always known. Yeah, absolutely. hundred percent. You know, we, the idea that government and law and all that is here to support us and all of these things, that's lovely. And it's wonderful. And it's, it's not fiction. Ent- <laughs> yes. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> You were about to say it's not entirely true. And I just went, it's not. <laughs> and yeah, yeah fair. It can't, it's, it's not possible for it to be in the system that we currently have. It's true. There are you a know. lot of great people who work in government, sure. but they're all stuck in a system that's broken. And I venture to say they don't get very high in that system. No. I might be wrong, listeners. Maybe and you can point to someone super high in their government that kept their morals, but I haven't witnessed it. And I yeah. don't think it's possible. No, there's too much about government and working in that type of environment that requires compromise. And I'm not saying that compromise isn't a a good thing. It is in a lot of contexts, but there are limits to that. Right. Yeah, there is a certain point. It's like you were saying, you have to accept along the line that there's consequences. There is a certain point where you can't compromise any further without losing a part of your humanity. Exactly. And I think that that, discussion is very deeply ingrained in this story. Absolutely. I, somebody, I wish I could remember who said this. Somebody on Twitter once said that the magic of the Fast and Furious movies is how they turn cops into not cops. Uh-huh. <laughs> Just repeatedly. I think that's the magic of this book and also Gay Wolf. Book, is yes. Every character in a cop position, like even a cop-like position, yeah. slowly realizes that they are inherently an oppressor and sl- slides away from it, yeah. including Vic. Like re- he really struggles with it. And it's yeah. interesting because in the first book, we see Vic entirely through Adam. Yeah. And he is, I mean, he's idolized like to some degree, yeah. right? Like he's just perfect and he is wonderful. So of course in the second book, we hear his perspective and he's like genuinely struggling yeah. with this because he likes Tilame. He likes her more than Adam does most yes, of the time. Legitimately. <laughs> like legitimately. And he likes Bobby quite a lot. Yeah. And the idea that like literally the love of his life would be dead if they hadn't have done this. Yeah. Is one of the things we find out, like his dad tried to kill him multiple times. Yeah. And then he starts thinking about this from other people's perspective. Like, right. 
okay, so what if I, if I had been put in that position, what would I have done? And oh God, I can't even think about that because I mean, right. the fact that my dad died broke me. And then yeah. he starts thinking about, okay, well, what about Annie? Oh, well, that's different. Well, well, what it was it different? I helped them kill her. Well, she wasn't her anymore, but okay. How do you, how do you make that line? How do you. Right. And Adam has to do a similar kind of struggle in the first book because mm-hmm. he has to save Annie and kill her. He has to become a warlock. He has to betray the rules of magic. And mm-hmm. it's genuinely a hard thing for him to do yeah. because it, it was a hard line he intended to never cross. And then he crosses it and he knows forever that people are going to know that he crossed it. Yep. And he crosses it in such an Adam way. He does. By self-sacrifice as opposed to any. And I just, oh God, he's such a beautiful soul. He's such a beautiful broken soul. Yeah. yeah, He chooses to have permanent pain instead of hurting anyone else. Yeah. Which just, oh, my baby. (laughs) Right. I love him so much. He's so good. He's so good. And like, but that's the thing, right? Like, yeah, he is good. He is good. Yeah. He's a little chaotic. Good. Yes. Yes. And at first Vic is lawful good. And then he has to deal with the fact that lawful isn't always good. And, and the concept also that sometimes lawful and good are diametrically opposed. Diametrically opposed. Yeah. This book, (laughs) this is a, a wild book in that it makes you unquestionably on the side of murder. Like I don't know how else to put it. Cause you're just like, well, what would they have done? They, the cops couldn't do, would not do anything. No, they wouldn't. They had been called multiple times, if I remember correctly, right? And that's the case with a lot of domestic violence where, mm-hmm. the, I mean, we've ranted about this before too, the way that uh, if you're an adult who's being abused, there are no protections for you in the US. Like, Yeah, which is bonkers. I don't understand. I mean, it's not great. It's not great in Canada. I'm not going to try and say that things are so much better here. Like they're better, but not like. And yeah, before, before everybody gets like, that's not true. You can get a restraining order. Restraining orders do very little. They they basically make it so you can call the cops. If you see this person, they don't stop the person from hurting you. And you know, like they don't get you out of a bad situation. No, they basically allow for a document trail for after the worst has happened. Exactly. Yeah. And if somebody is very determined, they're just going to do it, whether there's a restraining order or not. Mm-hmm. And like, yeah, okay. Will it be held against them if they murder you? Uh, maybe they've already murdered you. <laughs> I mean, yeah, if you're lucky, but you clearly are not because you're dead. Yeah. <laughs> right. Yeah. And so, you know, that's God, how did we get so deeply into this? I don't even remember where we started. Layers oh. upon layers upon layers. <laughs> layers upon layers. But it, it like leaves you in this place where you're like, I value human life a great deal, mm-hmm. but I read that and I was like, I get it. Yeah. And that, and that is just the beauty of a really good story is that it makes you think about yeah. uncomfortable truths, which are that sometimes yeah. the answer isn't good. Mm-hmm. Sometimes the answer is this all oh, yeah. sucks and you just kind of have to deal with the consequences. Consequences yeah. are a thing that happen whether you want to two or not and I think so. we've talked about this and everyone involved in the situation is dead now I'm gonna go ahead and say yeah. I feel like you and I have talked about this um my great-grandfather basically did this I mean 
we don't know for sure, but he also never denied it, which is pretty <laughs> damning. Um, but, uh, you know, I'm from this area that the book is about. My family is from the South. This yeah. stuff is very true. Like the small towns are like this. There is like so little justice and so much poverty and horrible rampant abuse. And my great grandfather probably took it in his own hands to correct that kind of a situation and save a woman and her children that were being not helped by the police and then married her Ah. (laughs) and that's where I come from so and again statute of libertation is very up because everyone is dead (laughs) there we go (laughs) oh man but uh, yeah are we gonna be allowed to put this on the talking comics feed right I know I love it (laughs) generations old uh exactly exactly um (laughs) another theme that I've seen is a common thread through these stories that I really love is um kind of in line with the self-acceptance but also with the not letting good intentions excuse poor behavior yes and so again that goes along with that whole sort of complexity and then yeah but there are a lot of good intentions Mm -hmm. you know pretty much everybody in these both books all of the characters we meet there are very few that actually start with bad intentions i think there's maybe one yeah (laughs) right right i can't think of a there's not like really a good intention behind the 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 dark druidy yeah you're right no that's straight up selfishness yeah (laughs) which like those people exist exactly one of my professors said something in undergrad like my first ever class that has lived in my head forever which was that um you are going to meet in your life a lot of shitheads people that have shit for brains as you put it uh they are not trying to hurt you but they just there's just shit up there (laughs) and sometimes they shit all over you yep you are very rarely going to meet assholes, people who intend you pain. Those are different. And being able to tell the difference is like one of the skills of being an adult. This, this is a deep truth. It is. It is true. Yeah. And that this book is like that. There's a lot of people that do a lot of shitty things, yeah. but there's only like one proper asshole in the whole series. <laughs> oh, two. The, the elf king too i i think we could say the elf king too yeah i think i don't so. know that he always was but he certainly no got there. he's yeah he definitely is having some some big feelings by the end <laughs> feelings <laughs> listeners we always joke about uh how fun it would be if we could gentle parent adults <laughs> and just say to somebody <laughs> once in a while you're having big feelings right now <laughs> Oh, we're going to get into that in story specifics for sure. Oh, good. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I definitely, I definitely brought that one up. Oh my God. <sighs> Generational trauma. Huge. Huge. Yeah. I like, I really like the passing down of magic as a way to explore generational trauma, which oh, is with specifically how it's passed down with the elves. Yes. That is also, some generational trauma. I agree, but also how it's passed down through adam's family yeah i think it's both uh, yeah get into the elves first and then i'll dive into the second book stuff with adam's family well i just with the elves being effectively immortal yeah 
you have a very kind of concrete expression of generational trauma when one generation has to kill the previous in order to take on their authority. Absolutely. And then we see more of a like somewhat traditional aspect of generational trauma through the, the, the curse, the thing that passes mm-hmm. down, the darkness that passes down uh, in the generations of Adam's family. In the second book, he learns about this great uncle or uncle? Great uncle. It's great uncle, right? The, the one that's gay or is he his uncle? I actually don't remember, but he learns about this kind of somewhat distant family member he never knew about who was gay and was killed by a family member as part of this curse. And he kind of really connects to this person. He realizes that he isn't the first gay witch in his family and that this cycle of abuse has been going on and is literally passed magically down and affects everyone and is literally infected the ground of their home you know, land. Yeah. Which is such a powerful image of the way that we pass on trauma. I just, I'm getting chills. <laughs> I know it was very almost summer suns for me in that. It moment. was, yeah. I think this book is a very good chaser for summer suns. If you want a similar yeah. vibe, because I think Adam and uh, those characters would get along pretty well. <laughs> I agree. I agree. Uh, I think yeah. Vic would then come along and like slap them all upside the head and be like, okay, he would, let's he would be- have a conversation. <laughs> he, would, he would really like, um, oh my God, what is with me in names today? I'm sorry. You spent I, too much time with me. I, it's happening. I just was like, Dom from Fast and Furious. What is his name in summer? <laughs> <laughs> Andrew and. Oh my God. No, you've laughed it out of my head now. Ah! <laughs> just sitting here staring the dumb one <laughs> eddie is his brother oh my god riley is sam? the other character sam. sam oh thank god i it was i was literally i could name everyone else but i couldn't <laughs> sam. i think i think vic and sam would get along <laughs> yeah that's true he would he would be troubled by all the law breaking but you know maybe as part of his wild descent into yeah maybe by book three Vic and Sam would get along right he was he's like I I you're not hurting one with a drag racing okay I'll just won't look (laughs) (laughs) they don't close off the road for you exactly (laughs) I make sure you don't hit any pedestrians or cause any property damage and you do what you do (laughs) yeah exactly (laughs) oh my god okay (laughs) I do have like two more things all right do you have more themes i have a, i have yeah a couple <laughs> i told you we were gonna be in themes for a long time we've already kind of touched on it but i really really like this exploration of class and poverty and the south of the u.s like yeah. all of that stuff which i think you can't it's hard to talk about separated from each other because it's very... i went with just classism in this and homophobia, right well, I, but can, I... I can bring you the u.s yeah. perspective as from go. the south right because again like i said my family's Appalachia like we are yeah. that and you know I uh because our family do not talk to the southern family anymore and we moved north to get away from rather abusive situation or my parents did um I really didn't I didn't have a lot of compassion for this for a very long time in my life because mm. you know when you're a kid you associate everyone with the few people you know of from, from that you know that small yeah. town was just my family in my head but when I went to college I actually researched it a bit um me and another another therapy student 
in our master's program, because we were both from there, spent some time researching it and learning that, you know, this is a, um, it's differently marginalized because they are largely white people. They, they like Appalachian people, yeah. not, there are lots of black people in the South, but that's not what I'm talking about. I'm talking about the white people. The yeah. <laughs> Let's let the ones that would be labeled the white trash, you know, yeah. it is a, a kind of marginalized population because of the poverty, because they're seen as quote unquote stupider because of their, you know, they're, they're judged by their accents. There's a lot of incredibly smart, incredibly talented people, mm-hmm. but they don't have access to as good of education. There's like a lot of reasons why that perception has developed. Um, and then there's all that, you know, there's that stereotype that the smart ones leave and go elsewhere, mm-hmm. um, which does sometimes happen because of the, the poverty and the lack of opportunity. And so to get opportunity, you have to leave. So there's, it's very complicated and learning about it and seeing just how poverty has infused this area and how that has created a culture that's very different than the rest of the white U.S. Because mm-hmm. uh, that group of people is very like, uh, especially the Appalachia area people are very um, collectivistic, mm-hmm. which most U.S. white people are individualistic. Yeah. So it's actually very, very different. And to, to learn that and to see like how that has influenced my family, even though they left, but my family is very collectivistic. And I always didn't understand why, because it was very unusual, but that's everyone in those communities are like that because you're so poor, you have to rely on everyone. Takes else. a village. Yeah. And it was really interesting. My point in all this, <laughs> I swear I had one, um, <laughs> was that I think it's not seen very much, Yeah, which is why like, I love summer suns and um, shameless is a, is white trash in the North. So it's, it's different, but it is similar. Uh, and I'm saying white trash cause that's, you know, how people refer to it. Air not, quotes, yeah. I am not calling them white trash, um, but that is how the book even calls them. You know, how yeah. Adam thinks of himself. Um, those depictions are so rare to be shown as not a punchline. Yeah, exactly. Old gods of Appalachia. If you, yes. oh my God, if you yes. like the horror side of that, I listen do. to that podcast, that. Yes. That'll get you some stories. I think it's like, it's powerful to read books like yeah. this. It and is. So, so, um, Summer Sun's the same way. Yeah. So books that really increase your empathy for this area. Yeah. There's not enough of it. No, exactly. You know, I know. Yeah. I like that concept of the co- collectivistic versus the individualistic because yeah. Yeah, that idea of mm-hmm. collectivism is definitely something that we've moved away from in kind of north american first world concept right yeah, and it is so. a problem mm-hmm. as i think we are reaping what we sow now mm-hmm. you yeah. know so cultures like what you find in appalachia and stuff like that mm-hmm. you i think are going to be stronger for the fact that yeah. they are more collectivistic yeah yeah, there's a lot of beauty in it. I mean, I think a lot of times when we see any depiction of it, we are told about like the rampant abuse and things like that. That's true of everywhere there's poverty. That's, Honestly, poverty and abuse are very linked, and there's a lot of reasons why that is. I mean, education, stress, like mental health, all the things that poverty mm-hmm. influences. Um, not to excuse any of it, obviously, because abuse is abuse, <laughs> regardless of what caused it, but that there's a reason why that happens more. Um, 
I don't know. I didn't have a further thought. I just want to clarify that, <laughs> but I think that's what we see. And that, yeah. I mean, it's here, you see it here too, but you don't just see it. You see the full picture. Exactly. Exactly. Which is much more interesting. And gay characters in Southern stories are so interesting. Yeah. I, I mean, it's, it's tough, but it is really interesting. Like, yeah. yes, obviously gay people exist everywhere and in every culture. Yes, exactly. Ugh. But you do get to see that kind of navigation yeah. when um, Adam is first, like when we first meet Adam and he's going out and he's yeah. looking for the pool cue um, and he's tracing oh. down the, you know, the warlock. Yeah. And, uh, by f- trying to track down his yeah. his pieces of magic and he uh you know he's trying not to get caught as the gay guy out in yeah. a rural bar because he knows that that can be a risk to him mm-hmm. you know and he's doing his risk management and i mean like yeah. honestly as a woman i understand those yes decisions you know so i'm a going through percent. and reading this and this is very familiar yeah and yeah. he meets he meets tanner and tanner's like you don't seem like a small town guy and it's just like so crushing to him yeah because you know it's he means it as a compliment which is so insulting like you don't seem like your hometown yeah exactly you don't seem like trash is basically what he said and it was oh it's heartbreaking you know where you contrast that with when he's talking to Vic about it and Vic's like you're not white trash yeah you're white and you're poor but poor is not trashy trash yeah like that's oh yeah that's not the same thing. <laughs> there's also this like uh, reading about gay people from this culture is very interesting to me too, because we don't often think about this, but this is a big part of like queer research and queer theory is the idea of culture affects what queerness looks like. Mm. Um, and, you know, there, there's a certain, there's certain things associated with city gays and, you know, North Northern gays and middle-class gays that are not a part of Adam's life. Like it wouldn't be safe for him to act that way, but it also wouldn't be him to act that way. No, exactly. Summer Sense is the same way. You have these, you know, these gay men who are rough and tumble and drag racing, but not the RuPaul's kind. (laughs) (laughs) And, you know, Adam's like that too. Like he is not like, quote unquote, the way we like view stereotypical gay people, I guess. There's all kinds of ways to be gay, right? And he kind of reflects that. Again, I'm just going to keep relating this to Shameless because I can't help it. They're very similar. (laughs) They're very similar, Broadwood. But there's a character named Mickey who I love and you've heard me talk about ad nauseum at this point Yes, I have. (laughs) He is is like that too. Like he has a really hard time with understanding himself as gay, even though he's attracted to men because he, he, it's stuck in this idea of what gay people are supposed to be like. And they have a lot of conversations. Like he literally is married to Ian and still having conversations about, he's like, I'm gay, but I'm not like gay, gay. And he's like, we are literally married and fucking you are gay, gay. You know, <laughs> you are um, just yeah. because you don't, you know, relate to other gay people that we meet doesn't make you not gay. And it's a very interesting, I don't know, exploration because he is gay, but he is poor gay. He is yeah quote unquote white trash gay he is not the gay you see on queer eye and exactly i just find it very interesting broadway i know it's <laughs> fascinating and i love it <laughs> i love how 
all of our discussions. They are so intellectual until at some point we just burst. <laughs> I know. It's just like, okay, but I just love it. Like, I don't have more to say about it. I just fucking love it. <laughs> oh, but yeah, I mean, you did touch a little bit on the sort of the classism side of it too. In But I, I love the way it's sort of paralleled between um, the mortal and the the spiritual realms in terms of like, you see the way Bobby ran screaming for the hills when, as soon as he could get out of Guthrie and he wanted for the, um, and maybe this is inappropriate coming from me, but the American dream, you know, he wanted. No, I think it's more entertaining coming from you (laughs) because you said it with such disgust. (laughs) Sorry. Canadian disgust is showing I'm sorry. Okay. The American dream was a lie anyway. It's fine. <laughs> I mean, it really was. Yeah. <laughs> but um, I just, I think it's so fascinating it, because like you really get a sort of visceral idea of how it doesn't matter how far you run, you bring yourself with you, mm-hmm. you know? Yeah. And you see that very much in Bobby. He's rebranded himself as Robert. He's got his white picket fence. He's got his his like cupcake confection of a house. He's got yeah. his wealthy wife. He's got his car. He's got, you know, his nice fancy job driveway. at the hospital. Yeah. And, you know, he, he and he has the kind of, it's not even the respect of his colleagues that he seems to want. It's the almost the fawning, mm-hmm. you know? Yeah. He wants to do whatever is in his power to not be Bobby, Bobby Jack. What's his name? Yeah. Bobby Jack. Bobby Jack. Right. And he just, he seems to, he really wants this, like the, the picture that he had in his head of what success meant. Yeah. You know, the 2.5 kids, you know, a little kid's version of what a successful adult life is. Yes. I know. I know you, you don't love it. But it, it, I can't, we can't talk about this without bringing up Great Gatsby. <laughs> oh God. Okay. <laughs> but we talked about the American dream. It was going to happen. I, yeah, I did that uh, to myself. That's I fair. Look, I have a twisted, weird relationship with that book, which we will not get into at this point <laughs> in time. But the point being, it made me think of, um, there is a line where our narrator is looking at Gatsby and realizes he's made up the entire story of himself. And he says, that is a 17 year old's idea of what a dream life is. And it was, first of all, such a crushing insult. Oh my God. Scathing. <laughs> Scathing. But I also love it. Exactly yeah. what Bobby did, right? Yes. Like, this is a 17 year old's idea that you are still at a 30 clinging to, which is so sad. But you see it. Like, I don't know about you, but I see yeah. it in life. Like, I oh, see God, people yes. do this and it's painful to watch, but yeah. it is so viscerally described in Bobby and Mm -hmm. through his arc from one book into the next where he is grieving for Annie you see this a lot because the way Adam describes Bobby and Annie together and their relationship Mm -hmm. and how Annie was kind of just a feature in Bobby's dream life and I think to some degree or another, that was true. Yeah, I think that's even his perspective in the first book. Bobby says something very similar to that early on. And then he loses her mm-hmm. and he 
and not just loses her, he loses her in this particular fashion where he's been forced to face all of these elements of his life that he's been running from. Yeah. And his culpability in it. Yeah. And all of these things. And so he's effectively forced into actual adulthood instead of fantasy yeah. adulthood. <laughs> yeah. And adulting sucks. It does. <laughs> and but I my- think he's grieving as much for losing that dream mm-hmm. as he is for losing Annie. And yeah. that I don't mean to be dismissive of his feelings for no. Annie because I think they came out of nowhere for him. Like I think he didn't actually anticipate right. how much that was going to hurt him. Yeah. Right. Which I think is another fascinating layer to this story. Oh it my is. God. Yeah. But I really do think that there's an element to his grief that is about losing his um, <laughs> willing suspension of disbelief. Yeah. Yeah. His, his bubble was shattered. Yeah. <sighs> and all the reality got in. <laughs> And too much reality upsets the it's delicate balance. We know, Bobby, we know. Really hard. But I think, yeah, I think you're totally right. In like very early in the first book, he talks about how he picked Annie because she was East Coast rich family. Like she looked good with yeah. him. And I do think he didn't know how much he loved her, really yeah. loved her until there was no more her. And then he starts remembering the things about her that were wonderful, not yeah. just the things about her that were quote unquote perfect. Exactly. Ugh. So I've it just, that's such a, it's such a tragedy, actually. It is. A, it's a gorgeous tragedy. Yeah. But it makes Bobby into so much better of a person. Yes. Like, wildly so second book bobby literally dropping everything because um they realize that adam's hurting yes and just the one moment where um they decide and bobby just decides for them that they're going to the funeral for sue and tillamay says she hated me she wouldn't want me there and he looks at her and says it's not for her it's for adam yeah yeah this is a person that previously he had cut entirely from his life forever, basically. And then now, you know, leave work, drive across the country, do everything just yeah. to be there for him. Not it's, even a question, drop of a hat. Oh my God, it's so good. And then he's like involved the rest yeah. of the story in the like magic mystery part. And I fucking love it. Yes, exactly. Oh uh, yeah. He re- when he let go, he let go hard. <laughs> And good for him though. Like he's not quite as graceful about it as, no. as Vic. And by no. not quite as graceful, I mean, oh dear God. I mean, it took him decades. <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, but he got there. He did. He oh. got there and good on him. <laughs> okay. I have one more. Okay. Hit me. I want to scream about magical empathy. <laughs> yes. Okay. Okay. So magical empathy is my favorite superpower and I'm, I'm here to tell you why. <laughs> yes. I love it. Let's hear it. So, okay. Brief moment of clarification and slightly eye rolling dismissal as a psych person. Lots of people call themselves an empath now. Yeah, I know. <sighs> and it makes my eyes roll hard into my head. And it's also like never the people who are actually empathetic. <laughs> that's not true I've met a couple of people that are actually empathetic who say that but very right I feel like most of the time it's just like total assholes that claim that they are empaths yeah uh you're not an empath uh you're not you're not an empath that's not a thing um 
but there are people that are more attuned to empathy. The reason for that, friends, is trauma. <laughs> it's not. <laughs> it's not that you're an empath. It's that you've been traumatized. <laughs> Yeah, that's a tough lesson to learn. <laughs> yeah, it sure is. Uh, yeah, yeah. And, I mean, and there are there is also uh, what we would call in psychology highly sensitive people, again, who who are just they pick up emotions very easily from other mm-hmm. people. Again, this is usually because of trauma, but it could be because of inborn anxiety. So if you you want to get excited about having genetically, it's anxiety loves. Uh, yeah. It's not. Guess what? It isn't. It isn't. It isn't being an impact. No. It's you are not like <laughs> you're not psychically absorbing yeah. other people's emotions. You can be mirroring yeah. them because of trauma. Yeah. You have learned to recognize emotions to keep yourself safe. I'm yeah. so sorry to inform you. Yeah. <laughs> but I again, magic as metaphor for trauma in these books. Adam is a magical empath. He is yeah. a traumatized young guy who has learned to pick up on people's emotions magically. I get, I relate to Adam. I related to this so hard, I obviously. I love that he's also kind of a synesthete though. Yeah. Oh yeah. The way it's described, like seeing it. Oh God, I love it. It's so good. But I've, I've always been obsessed whenever a character has this ability because again, because I relate to it because of the trauma, um, but that ability to like walk into a room and just you, he describes it as like, sometimes he can't shut it out. Yeah. Which is that this, again, the people who claim to be an empath, I'm here to tell you, if you actually have this thing going on, it's really frustrating because it's not always a good thing. It's like, I can't shut down the fact that I'm feeling other people's feelings right now. Uh, I'm going <laughs> to, I'm going to quote Great Gatsby twice in one oh podcast. Oh my God. What are you doing to me? <laughs> okay, but tell me this is not a great quote though. All right. There is a quote. And again, Nick says this, he says he was the kind of person that could pick up people's emotions. Like he was one of those machines that read an earthquake from a hundred miles away. Nice. Right. That's me, (laughs) but that's also Adam. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. I feel that I, when I, I didn't realize, <laughs> okay, we're uh, going to get into the weeds. Uh, <laughs> oh yeah. You're welcome. Did right? I not also talk about generations of my family's trauma just five seconds ago? Yeah. <laughs> you don't get out of this Bronwyn. I didn't realize. I mean, when I, I was, I'm an old, we've been, co- we've covered this. Um, when I was a teenager, we didn't have words like neurodivergent. That was not sure. a thing that I had access to linguistically. No, it certainly wasn't a thing I had access to, uh, via emotional support and this is in no way to be dismissive of my family who tried their very best and were incredibly loving and supportive yeah nobody had that language back then nobody this is not a thing it just it mm-hmm. didn't really exist at the time so <laughs> I had needs I could not express yeah did not have the language for and they did their best <laughs> we yeah. muddled through and I think it turned out okay yeah, you turned but- out amazing <laughs> But it was a struggle for all of us because I was not a joy to be around for several years because I had OCD, among other things. I was deeply untreated and it was traumatic for everybody, let's just say. Yeah. But one of the things I learned to do very young, like very, Mm -hmm. very young, was to mirror other people's behavior Mm -hmm. because it made me more successful. Yep. Like I remember, and I saw a funny tweet about this the other day, not the exact same thing, but it was enough to be relatable, was uh, some, a parent tweeting about how their kid was saying that um, 
Fred gave them all of the answers to the test questions. And so they did really well in this test because Fred was telling them all of the answers to their questions. Mm -hmm. And it turned out after a little bit of further investigation that Fred was the name of their brain, that they had named their brain Fred. That's so cute. (laughs) And so I was a similar child in that I actually had panic attacks because I thought I was cheating at tests because I could see the answers because I had memorized them and I could see them in my head. Like I could visualize the answers. Yeah. And then I would write them down and then proceed to full-blown panic attacks about the fact that I was cheating. Oh, I didn't understand. You don't have a baseline comparison, right? Yeah. So (laughs) all this to say that I learned very young to observe closely and mirror behaviors that were socially successful, right? Because that was an easy way to make it through life. Yeah. But it also meant that I was super annoying for people sometimes because I could literally predict the words coming out of their mouths as they were saying it. Yeah. And people hate that so much. Yeah. So much. Yeah. I used to get in trouble for calling out people being angry when they didn't want to admit they were angry all the time. (laughs) I, one of my teachers in grade school actually called my parents because like I went to school in a very small village and everybody knew everybody and everything like that. And yeah, my teacher called my parents like, you have got to get her to stop. It's so frustrating because I would actually mouth along with his lectures. He was so predictable. (laughs) Oh my God. That's so cute. (laughs) But, oh, you know, again, all this to say, it's not empathy. It's observation and predictive ability and trauma trauma. (laughs) you know low-grade neurodivergence yeah yeah so magic as that is very Mm -hmm. very fun to watch I don't know I just I always I always dig it it's one of my favorite superpowers to see I'm always like magical empathy (laughs) right it's amazing yeah we just love we just love Adam so good so good (sighs) did we make it through I think we might have actually. I mean, not to say that there won't be more theme development in so many the themes. story specifics, but uh, let's get we into some story specifics. Honestly, could keep talking forever about yeah. themes and not run out, but we this won't. True. <laughs> yep. Uh, can we talk a little bit about how Sue wanted friends in low places playing at her funeral? I love her. Sue? Oh, we forgot to mention Sue. I know. Uh, she is one of my favorite characters. We just don't get much of her. Yeah. But she is such a queen. <laughs> she is a queen. I love Sue. She is a mess and I love her. Yes. I love that she's a tarot reader with a cross in her living room just to put the Christians yes. at ease. <laughs> yeah. Hilarious. Oh my God. I She's so sarcastic. You absolutely see where Adam learned his humor. Mm-hmm. <laughs> she's just, she is scathing with her jokes. I love that she is the reason Adam knows death. He doesn't know he knows yeah. death, but he yeah. knows her through Sue because yeah. they exchange recipes. Oh yeah. I adore that. <laughs> so good. I, I love everything, <laughs> everything Sue- about her. Like Spider, the psychopomp cat, mm-hmm. is Sue's cat. Yeah. But also somehow Death's cat. Yes. Yeah. They have a very weird relationship. Let's discuss have Sue and Death fucked. <laughs> okay, Correction! good. <laughs> okay, good. Because I'm glad Are they actively that. fucking now? I Probably. mean, not. I mean, not. Now they're not. <laughs> I, mean, I mean, why not? Why they could. <laughs> I guess they could be. 
you know, the afterlife is full of a lot of death fucking, apparently. Exactly. Death does what she wants. That, and, and good for her. Well, yes. mostly I don't think so. <laughs> Look. She manipulated the brothers. <laughs> she did. We'll but not it. just the brothers. She manipulated their entire genetic history. Yes, which was a bit fucked up of her. I mean, she's not human. She no. has a very, there are tools as far as she's concerned. It's like putting your drill bits in order. It made me sad. Okay. <laughs> we don't, we don't feel sad about putting our drill bits in order. We don't know now how the I drill will. bits feel. <laughs> I mean, maybe and now I will. Thanks. What, what if the drill bits don't want to actually be organized by size? Well, thank you for giving my OCD something to obsess over. You're welcome. <laughs> I'm going to call you in the middle of the night and be like, I can't sort things anymore. What if they don't want to be? How do I get consent from a drool bit? This is, this is death's trouble. She doesn't know how to get consent from a drill bit. That's, that's real. That's real. Okay. And we have consent to a- from a drill bit is the name of this episode. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, nailed it (laughs) oh my god Uh, i love how jesse called immediately gave adam a nickname and calls him wonder bread so cute makes me so happy it is amazing (laughs) i I love the joy like seriously okay i cannot talk about how much i love this voice actor so much yeah but the joy in jesse's voice when he says wonder bread yes loves him so much it's delightful i they're besties it's so happy besties it's so great friend energy is what i'm here for i love it so much more of it please oh Mm -hmm. my god yes yes oh god (laughs) how about vic getting to come out to his ghost dad vic getting to come out to his ghost dad made me sob oh my god Niagara Falls yeah just oh my god it's so good that was it was glorious that was so satisfying you want to talk about a corrective emotional experience yeah that scene holy shit yes holy shit like I just I lost my dad a few years ago and it was sudden and it was I the worst moment of my life yeah the worst moment of my life when I found out that he was that he had had a hard time. I just, I can't yeah. even begin to explain to you. Yeah. I just, no. But yeah. the idea that, you know, the <laughs> spider would go and get his dad's ghost and bring him back because Vic was like, I wish I could talk to my dad about this. Exactly. Oh, so good. That was so. Oh, right in the fucking feels. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh-huh. hundred percent. Oh, can we talk about how there's just so many hurt comfort scenes? <laughs> yeah. Okay. Constant. And nonstop. <laughs> it is. And you know, it's funny because you know me, you know me mm-hmm. on the scale of hurt comfort. I'm a 90, 10 right. comfort to hurt yeah. person. This is yeah. my, that's my haha comfort zone. Yeah. <laughs> This works because the there's repeated hurt with immediate comfort. Yes. And it's amazing because it's much closer to 50-50. It is, but it's not 
first half of books, last half of book, it's this and then this and this and then this and and it's great. So then you end up getting that shot of comfort repeatedly. It's like like, (laughs) punch to the face, bruise, ice. Exactly. There (laughs) is a lot of uh, call out videos right now on TikTok about what your favorite like fanfic tropes are. And uh, people were like, uh, so you who had undiagnosed mental illness as a kid, how is that uh, deep, uh, deep obsession with hurt comfort coming? <laughs> oh, I feel attacked. <laughs> but it's great. Thanks. It's great. I'm, uh, I'm real but, happy with it. Thank but... you. I feel real good. <laughs> you get to have all of these such like dopamine moments mm-hmm. because you get to see Bobby worried about Adam in the hospital like that, that healing moment but and then you you get to see you know moments when Vic is worried about Adam or Adam is worried about Vic and you know moments when Adam's family like drives across the country to be there for him like there's so much healing in those hurt comfort moments that I just and it's not just healing for you it's healing for Adam like it's it's so it's it's multiple levels and layers of this hurt comfort right like it's so beautiful Yeah, it's so good. It's so good. And then you you get these like incredible like themes and and important conversations Mm. and all of this. And then you also get these small moments Mm -hmm. like Vic and Adam watching Star Wars on a couch together. My God, it's so cute. And it's just, it's incredibly satisfying. (laughs) It's so cute. how awkward Adam is trying to figure this out. And he's the one who's been out and gay for so long. And Vic's just like, huh, I yeah. guess I'm bi. Didn't yeah. see that coming, you know? <laughs> right. Exactly. Yeah. He's like, huh. <laughs> um, at the very least, I'm Adam sexual. Who knew? Yeah, exactly. He's <laughs> right. like, I guess I've never been that picky, but huh. <laughs> surprise surprise me meanwhile adam is definitely like he again he has been out but he is not okay with it yet like no. he is his internalization is oh my god deeply held can very you say internalized, internalized homophobia because i can say internalized <laughs> this episode homophobia is brought to you by internalized homophobia <laughs> oh and there oh. and you know it comes out in these like very delightfully like Adam's um, degree of middle finger to all situations, again, very much relate. Oh. But I just love how he just pokes his mom and brother about being gay and being psychic. Like every yeah. time he talks to them, he's like, they don't want to talk about it. So I drop it into conversation <laughs> every five seconds. <laughs> I know it's the only part of him that he seems to allow out of containment. Yeah. Oh yeah. He's just, why don't I antagonize them? I love it so much. Possible. It's so good. Yeah. Oh my um, God. I, I, I get, I love, and this is so satisfying again with that hurt comfort where things come mm-hmm. back around a little mm-hmm. bit, you know, where yeah. you get things like the moment where he navigates the whole situation yeah. at the beginning of white trash warlock with the Saurians. Mm-hmm. And then that comes around full circle to have them supporting him because of that good deed. Makes so many friends in yes. these novels, which is delightful. He ends up getting so many elves that love him. Mm-hmm. He makes friends with the Saurians. Like he's just genuinely such a good person. And people love that about him. It's true. And he's not even trying. Like he's, no, he's he really not. Good. He just is. He just and they is see good. it, you know? 
Oh my God. It's so great. I just said, we got it. We have got to talk about the magical force proximity of soulmates. <laughs> ah, yes. This, that was the first snap I sent you. What I was screaming about <laughs> it's literal magic force proximity soulmate story. I, I love it. it. So, okay. So this is when Adam, Adam is, this book is fully a mystery. We've not even a little bit talked about that. Adam is doing like this deep mystery, trying to figure out what this weird demon thing is that's covering over the town. And he goes undercover in the hospital that Annie and uh, Annie used to work in that Robert currently works in and um, becomes a janitor uh, and immediately gets caught. Like the day of, the day he starts. The minute, like his so gloriously bad at investigating <laughs> the world is taught by these like uh these cops right and one of them is Vic and then the demon hops into the other one and uh you know Vic gets shot and it's all chaotic and it gets shot saving Adam's life yeah saves his life and Adam immediately is like I'm about to do a thing <laughs> have I thought about it no do no. I know what the consequences are no not I'm at about all to do a thing and he he saves Vic's life unwittingly binding them together and making them forced soulmates. Yes. <laughs> By plucking a thread of his own life and magic out of his own chest tying and tying it. it. To Vic. It's it's it shouldn't be as wonderful as it is, but it is so wonderful. Well, and it's wonderful in a couple of ways. It's wonderful because They've only had a minimal level of interaction at this stage. Literally, no, like none, basically. Well, no, they had, because Vic showed him around the hospital. Yes, yes, yes. You're and right. They get to flirt a little. They get, they a little get to flirting. flirt a little. He gets to admire Vic in the in yeah. the uh, uniform, which is he there not very a joke? much approves. Yeah. Is there not a joke about he he did this because he likes a man in uniform? He I does. Like, yeah, right. he likes. He thinks he looks good in the uniform. Yes. <laughs> but then, really. It's, it seems to be more about the metaphorical fuck you to the Reaper who's coming. Right. It's like, well, okay. So you can't take my life because it's not my time. So if I give him some of my life, then you can't take him either. That's how this works, right? Yeah. But also there's like a draw to him too. So it's yeah. like, it's a middle finger. It's also a like... <laughs> Adam is so lonely. <laughs> and like, this is like, Adam is so bad at flirting and yeah. dating and all of this. This is like extreme sometimes, level. Hey, maybe this will work. <laughs> sometimes you're so bad at Tinder dates that you magically bind your soul to the first hot guy you meet. <laughs> it happens to us all. Look, you know, no judgment. <laughs> Look, dating's hard. It's hard. Sometimes magic, you know? And he just, he just does it like without a thought. And then forever they are linked where they can feel each other's feelings and sometimes hear each other's thoughts and kind of a little bit know where each other are and it comes and goes and neither one of them seem to understand the rules of it. And Vic is again, so accepting. He just goes with it. Adam angst over it nonstop. (laughs) It's like, he's like, does he love me? Or does he just feel that I love him? Like, there's just, is it just the magic dude? Okay. Question for you. Yeah. Does it actually matter if you cannot remove it? Such a good question. I guess in his mind, and I get this, there's like a consent issue. Yes. If, if you have that person's consent,
what's the rest of the sentence? Oh, that was it. Yeah. Like, I, mean, I, <laughs> I was waiting for more and not the game. <laughs> like, okay. Yeah. I get it. I get it. You can't yes. ask for consent in the moment. He didn't ask for consent in the moment right. to save his life because he didn't know. But the reality right. is we never know what all of the consequences for every single action we take are no, going no. to be. No. So you can't ask for consent for everything. You can only do your best. That's what we're right. doing. Right. And I think, I think he overestimates how much control he has over Vic. Oh, a huge. And really, I don't think it's even necessarily about that so much as it is about fear. Yeah. It's, it's, it's a bit excuse. of an excuse. Yeah. I get the worry, right? I do get that as someone yeah. who has OCD, that would of course be yeah. something I would worry about, but you're right. It's not the actual issue. And I don't, I think he is wrong at one about how much power he has in that situation, mm-hmm. but I think that's Adam, right? Because yeah. while he might not feel powerful in other situations, when it comes to taking unnecessary guilt upon himself, he sure does seem to believe he has all the power in the world. Yes. <laughs> yeah. But if you challenge him to see it that way, he will no, not. No, no, I'm so weak. I don't have much magic. Exactly. Like, Bullshit, you don't, Adam. <laughs> exactly. Um, and I told you before when we touched on this, that we were going to come back to this point that we need to. Mm-hmm. But you know that whole concept of who takes a knife to a gun battle? Yeah. We have to talk about who takes a gun to a sword fight. Oh my God. <laughs> because the answer Hilarious. is silver. <laughs> And I think so funny. We have to talk. I don't know why that amused me so much. It did though, because I just (laughs) I can't believe he won the battle against his all-powerful elf father because nobody thought about using a projectile weapon, right? And like I just there's a lot to unpack in this scene. Not the least of which is the sort of impression that I got reading it, that this Mm. was to some degree or another, like, so some part of this is Silver, you know, grasping onto and taking his power. Yes. But some of it is also Silver embracing his humanity because he's choosing the human side over his elf lineage, right? So we need to maybe unpack a little bit the imagery here of silver embracing his humanity in the form of a gun yeah real the author of this is uh from the u.s well yeah <laughs> who's shocked who's shocked because <laughs> oh. <laughs> uh, yeah that stood out to me <laughs> it sure did didn't it there was yeah. some wild flailing there from the canadian I, just fyi that was great it was great <laughs> Oh God. I just, I love that whole scene, but yeah, it is. It is kind of hysterical though. How how shocking it was. It's just like, you're just like, how is he going to get out of this situation? He has to kill his father because his father is going to kill all of humanity. And yet his father has so much more power than he does. And and then he just shoots shoots him. (laughs) And like, he snipes him. Everyone is just like, oh. (laughs) Two in the chest, one in the head. He put him down. Who could have thought? (laughs) Like the level of just pure shock that radiated across the room. But I mean, and I guess it kind of tracks though, because like they're really very much, they call themselves preservationists, but it, for people who are beings that are so long lived, moving into current times will be challenging i imagine because like things moved so slowly for so long as in in human history compared to the pace at which change has occurred over the last you know 200 years yeah yeah Yeah. (laughs) the 
a lot of people stuck in that kind of thinking wouldn't necessarily go right to projectile weapon, but But silver has fucked a human and it changed him. (laughs) Certainly did. (laughs) Oh God. It's really interesting. And it it gets to that idea we were talking about earlier. Like, can you be in that level of power and stay good? Because we don't really get the impression that his father was always like this. Like both Argent and silver are, well, silver is more like he, he has trouble disobeying, you know, but Arjit genuinely has love for the father she remembers, who isn't this one that she sees now. And he has been so corrupted and so convinced of his rightness. And I think that's such an interesting part as well, because it really gets gives you an opportunity to kind of explore grieving complex relationships. Yeah. Which is the whole thing. Yeah. And there's there's a whole uh, sons killing their fathers motif in this book that is it really is real interesting yeah yeah and like you watch Vic try to unpack that which is really cool yeah it is as somebody from a, a good family as Vic was it's, yeah. it's hard it's hard for him to get into that headspace exactly <laughs> there's a quote from Vran actually that really sort of appeals to me and also kind of just I think sums it up nicely which is it's always yeah. darkest before it goes pitch black <laughs> I love Bran. so real it's a real one. Oh, I love it uh can we talk about how like delightfully you know we're recording this in Halloween month there's a lot of delightful spookiness in these books too oh yeah like the the scene with the um the cursed land around the family well and the dead yes. body in it the stuff with the uh haunted asylum <laughs> like, yes exactly so good it's so good even that first scene where we meet Annie and Bobby where he sees the thing that she's seeing as a baby and it's suckling on her breast and it's just like she, she's oh. walking down the street like in their suburban neighborhood in their like cookie cutter homes all of yeah. this sort of stuff and she's got the crazy eyes on and her hair's yeah. all crazy and she's just wearing an open robe and a pair of underwear and nothing yeah. else and she's pushing a baby carriage which just has a lump of bloody flesh in it and then yeah. she holds it to her chest to nurse it and it turns into a demon baby and then back into a lump of bloody flesh like yeah and then it's just gone I love that Tillamay is just like, well, gotta call Adam. Yeah. <laughs> Her response is so perfect. She's just like, I'm not going to process that at all. It's time nope. to call your weird brother. Moving right <laughs> along. But who do we know that's weird enough to handle this for us? Oh, your brother. <laughs> yep, exactly. Oh my just, God. Her response. Her just like deadpan response to all of life is something to be uh, just, I don't know, respected, I guess. I know. I know. And we don't even start to unpack her kind of role as the abused partner, mm-hmm. you know, and uh-huh. whew, there's a lot to boy. go there. Yeah. Boy, boy. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but even like some of those flashbacks to his father are genuine horror scenes. Like yes. his, his, his vague memories of his father drowning it or trying to drown him. Yeah. But he didn't, he didn't conceptual conceptualize as a murder attempt until like this book, like the first yeah. book where he starts to realize, Oh, uh, I didn't just accidentally drown. You know, no. I, I, he was drowning me and that's why mom was mad, you know? Yeah. Oh my God. Yeah. It, 
is so it's such an interesting process to look back on childhood memories with an adult yeah. brain. Oh, uh, yeah. So much flies right past you. Yeah, totally. Because your life is normal when you are a child. You have no baseline for comparison. Right. It's it's very funny. <laughs> if you funny, but not funny. You know what yes. I mean? Not, ha ha funny. No, <laughs> funny ha, not ha, funny. Ha ha. <laughs> funny. Uh. What when you get to like usually somewhere like college and you tell stories of your childhood and other people are like oh my god oh making that face at you oh Uh I'm familiar with that face and then you're like I am at this moment detecting I have said something strange (laughs) (laughs) yes (laughs) (laughs) oh that oh that didn't happen to you oh (laughs) so you're telling me this is not normal (laughs) good to know file that one away (laughs) oh boy oh boy (laughs) so as is my want I did a dream cast for this oh my god I'm so excited yeah I went a little nut bar with this one I did (laughs) the best thing ever all right I have my google pulled up just in case I don't know who we're talking about all right okay so bear with me on this one because he might be a little bit older than I'd like for this casting, but I think he can look young. Yeah. Okay. So for Vic, Johnny Sibley. All right. Johnny, what, what is Johnny Sibley from? Uh, He did, I think, Queer Eye and um, what was the other thing he did that I, oh, why is the name gone from my head? Oh, he daddy, daddy. first picture that popped up for him is him in a harness <laughs> <laughs> that was not the first picture that popped up for me so i'll send it at your way excellent excellent from an instagram go ahead son um for <laughs> adam i was thinking lucas hedges okay i'm not i'm not done looking at uh, <laughs> uh no not there not you go fair. okay lucas hedges why do i know him from uh he's done a lot of really interesting things actually oh Yes, he has. Oh, yep, the harness. But see, oh, he, can... he would be really cute. Right? He's from North Carolina. Sorry, yeah. I just screamed. He's actually no, he's from Brooklyn, but he moved to North Carolina. Yeah. Okay. I, then he probably's got a southern accent in his back pocket. <laughs> and I think for Silver and Argent, I would so cast Daisy Ridley and Robert Pattinson. <gasps> oh my God. Yes. Dave- How good would they be as brother and sister? I'm losing it. <laughs> I'm losing it. That's good. That's good. And for Vran, I wanted to say Cole Sprouse, but I think he re- like wouldn't he be so good? He may be a little no, bit on the no, old side, but oh my god. No, like- Cole Sprouse. <laughs> can you saw I can see it, right? He could still pull it off. Yeah. He's playing a teenager right now. Exactly. Exactly. He can do it. He can do it. I um, really wrote down Cole's Rouse too. That's so funny. <laughs> um, for Jesse, uh, Ismael Cruz Cordova. That name is really familiar. You will, you should recognize that name. You will recognize in the minute you'll pick. Oh, yes, 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 yes. Yeah. Yes. Oh also beautiful right and then for their mom justina mikado can you tell i'm bad with names listeners i'm like who are all these people oh yes us yes Yes. (laughs) i do 
I know all of these people. Exactly. I just don't know who they are. Um, for Tilla May, I was thinking, and this one is for you specifically. Oh my God. Um, Brett Taylor from uh, uh, Prodigal Son. Yep. For Tilla May? Yeah, the, the mom from. You mean that's not her name? Am I saying it wrong? No, it's fully not her name. Oh. What is God? I, yes. The mom from Prodigal Son. Yes, the mom from Prodigal Son. Oh my God, what's her name? It's going to drive me crazy. I'm just, I'm going to look up. Okay, Prodigal you look Son. it up because I thought that was her name. I apologize. No, no, no. Um, you're good. For Bobby. But you're right, by the way. Yes. All right. But you like make her blonde, but yeah. Yes. It's, uh, hold on. It's taking me time to get there. <laughs> Still taking me time to get there. We'll get there. It's fine. <laughs> For Robert, I have Lucas Till. Lucas Till. Again, you'll know him the minute you see him. I'm sorry, listeners. I'm still looking up what the mom is from. Um, Bellamy Young. Oh, why did I get that so wrong? I don't know where I got that from. That's anyway. okay. But Bellamy Young is who we're talking about. And she was. Yes. Bellamy Young is absolutely who I was talking about. Oh, I love her so much. Okay. Who, you said Lucas Till. Yes. That name's familiar too. Oh, yes. Oh God. He's from Disney channel when I was growing up. Ah, <laughs> uh, there you go. And then for Annie slash mercy, mm-hmm. Emma Stone. Yes. Brilliant. Love it. Inspired. <laughs> so fucking good at this. I can't. I love. I tried casting. earlier. I was starting to fan cast, and I was like, "What? Why would I try? Why would I even try? <laughs> it's gonna be better when Bronwyn says it." So then, the only one I wrote down was Cole Sprouse. <laughs> <laughs> I love that I got that. Yes, oh, that's so good. Yes. Oh my god, that's so funny. That's amazing. I can't. Oh my god. Oh my god. I'm not, I'm just thinking about all those actors in these roles, and I can't. Uh, so good we'll need a mood board for that because they i think oh my like, god yes mm. some fan cast mood board it's coming right up i'll okay. get right on canva after this <laughs> yes please so what are your predictions this is so tough i know and i i'm currently showing you the page for that says predictions and it is blank <laughs> <laughs> i just I lo- the thing is i actually have some see I, I love that i literally was like I had successfully predicted zero things that happened in the first book. I predicted somehow even less than zero things that happened in the second book. I know. <laughs> Genuinely, I was like, huh, every five seconds of that second book. Um, so I got, I got nothing. When I tell you, I have no idea what is coming. And that's amazing because that's usually me. That's usually me. I usually have some kind of crack theory yeah. uh, that isn't going to end up being right. But even this time, I'm just like, Nothing I could come up with is going to be as good as what David comes up with. It's the metaphorical eye patch. It's the metaphorical eye patch all over. <laughs> <laughs> uh, at least it's better than the time I tried to predict something in Iris Foxglove's book and realized I was already wrong based on the interview we had already conducted. <laughs> <laughs> that was glorious. I'm not going to lie to you. <laughs> uh, yeah, it's a good time. <laughs> I just forgot. I'm sorry. <laughs> there was no other explanation. I mean, to be fair, they did give us a lot of spoilers. They did give us a lot of spoilers. It was amazing. It was good times. <laughs> oh. um, okay. What so do you got? My predictions are 
<laughs> a little loosey goosey. So love it. Excited for it. But I have, I mean, obviously we have to have Adam and Vic reunited. Yeah. So Vic ends that one with a horrifying cliffhanger as he gets dragged into something. No idea what. <laughs> yeah. Could a be mystery. Anything. A mystery. Yep. Um, but one at somehow, whether it be through their connection or whatever, they actually learn to communicate because Adam has to actually figure his shit out in order to get Vic back. Oh, well, I like that. So I said, Adam and Vic learn to communicate. And by that, I mean, Adam learns to communicate and Vic calls him on his shit. (laughs) Correct. Okay. Um, Adam becomes the page of swords and it does not go over well. No, no. With or without additional power. I haven't decided. I haven't come down on that yet because a big part of Adam so far is that he's been sort of low powered. And that that lets him not be noticed. Yes. I but, but he's getting noticed he and he too is much getting, shut up. He's yeah. is getting stronger. So I, yeah. I think he and might come into this, some additional power. At this point, he has fucked up so much shit that there is no more not noticed. <laughs> and I think I, I did say, and more from our ocean elf friend, of course, from Bran. Yeah, Bran. And I've won I want Bran to have a cute little romance. That's I my know. prediction. Me too. I, I want him to fall in love with a diametrically opposed character. I don't mm-hmm. I don't know in what way. I don't really care what gender. I just want Bren to find somebody to love. Also, here's my prediction. I'm making them in the moment. Okay. (laughs) I think that Bren and Bobby should be stuck together for a extended period of time for no reason other than I want it. (laughs) Very Turner and Hooch-esque. It would be hilarious because Bobby is so about order and Bren would fuck it up so much. Yeah. Yeah, no, that would be good for both of them, I think. I think so, too. Um, and I, I I, have a sneaking, I wonder, and maybe this could be more hope than prediction. Okay. But I want to know more about the history from about Sue and Tillamay. Yeah, because, because I don't understand it. No, they're, and they've, over and over and over again, we keep getting that they hate each other. Like, Sue thinks Tillamay hates her. Tillamay thinks Sue hates her. We yeah. don't know why there's tension there. No, not really. No. Adam, like, chalked it up to he thinks that Tillamay blamed Sue's side of the family for him being special, but we really do kind of get a conclusion that that's not it in the next one. First of all, because it's not just his, her side of the family because Tillamay has some magic too, Mm -hmm. but also because that, I mean, she just, I think she makes it pretty clear. That's not the thing. Yeah. And she (laughs) specifically says that Sue hates her. Yeah. So what happened? Exactly. Inquiring minds want to know. So I feel like the way to keep Sue involved in the story and, uh, you know, get that kind of would be to do some like backstory between the two of those ladies, which I think. Yeah. So, yeah, that that's my prediction story was, is that we might get some of that. Interesting. I love it. I'm trying to think if there's anything else. Um, I think hmm I feel like we've got to get some more mundane resolution on Adam's life too like you know does he stay working at the garage or 
something else you know what Mm -hmm. what is what is his future actually like is he still living in bobby's basement is he you know right right do he and vic move in together because like exactly so we've got to get some some more mundane stuff too i don't know i just don't have much i i I have thoughts about like argent and silver like i think we're gonna see silver silver is not a strong morally held character and you know he he which is interesting right he was very swayed by his father and Mm -hmm. though even though he ended up choosing to protect humanity i just don't think he has the moral character of our other characters and now he's in charge so what does that look like like does silver become a an antagonist like i don't think he'd ever become a full villain but does he become someone they have to fight against you know right i'm very curious because I feel like part of the journey that their father went along is that we never see or hear anything about their mother. So I yeah. don't think he ever had a partner per se as he had, yeah. you know, the mother of his children. Right. Right. Um, so I feel like if we get anything, it might be a partner for silver who can shore him up. Maybe. But also we get a lot of silver is very jealous of Adam yeah. and Vic. So, you know, maybe that's where we get him. At, I just, I'm seeing him as an antagonist again, because this, these books are complicated, not a bad guy, yeah. but as a genuine obstacle to them at some point. Yeah. And not that I think that in any scenario, Adam wants him back at, no. at all. He's very in love, but as someone who might get in the way of things I could yeah. see uh, emotionally or quite literally, because again, I just don't see him being the kind of person that makes great choices as a leader. No, exactly. I think, oh, here's my prediction. When, I don't know how many books there's going to be in this series. At some point in this series, I don't think it would be next book, but you know, who knows? Lots happen in these books. Exactly. I think at some point Argent is going to actually take over. I think that would be best. I think it would be best, but I actually think it's going to happen. I hope and I so. can't, I can't decide if it's going to, something bad is going to happen to Silver or if Silver is going to like get enough of a backbone to abdicate the throne. Mm-hmm. I kind of hope it's that because I think it would be a good arc for him to yeah. let go of power, realizing that he is not responsible enough for it. Yeah. Yeah. That his options are like fully, you know, yeah. going down the same road as his dad or yeah. making an active choice not to. And maybe we see him on the verge of making a bad choice. And that's like what makes it click for him that he cannot I could see that happening and Adam being part of the process that brings him back. Yeah. Like realizing that he's not so different from his father as he thought. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Because I know that was certainly part of Bobby's journey as well, right? Is controlling that anger, controlling that, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Oh, I like that. Yeah. Maybe Silver and Bobby should spend some time together. Maybe they right? would learn from each other. Exactly. I just want Bobby to hang out with all the magical creatures. I know. I this is the journey I want for Bobby. I want him to become besties with some elves. Yes. Oh my God. And uh, then just like find the burned out husk of his car. Oh my God. 100%. He's like, like, wait a minute. That looks no you know we didn't talk about it in ships but adam's undying love for his cutlass yeah I know. Very, he's like i'm gonna sacrifice Bobby's car the cutlass doesn't deserve this right yeah. wow there is a crossover opportunity with summer suns i'm telling 
Thank you. <laughs> Just go do some drag racing, Adam. Not that the Cutlass would do, we couldn't make no. it. No. Uh, you know what, though? Maybe after Jesse got a little, you know. Yeah. He puts a little NOS in that system. <laughs> if he put NOS in the Cutlass, the Cutlass would explode. <laughs> I mean, the Cutlass has already exploded once. Why not? Adam's car is inherently a piece of trash. Like, that is the one thing we know about. Oh, my God. Yes. Oh, my God. I love so it. So good. So good. Oh, oh my God. so do we have what, quotes? Do we have quotes? I'm <laughs> oh, okay. I, I thought had you had quotes. I thought you came up with one. No, I had quotes. I did. I found them. I or I didn't find them. There so I've go, been yeah. listening to the audiobook and actually like pausing and making a note. Oh, I love this. I'm writing it down. But I use like 85 lab books uh-huh. and I don't know where they are. <laughs> Holy hair. I genuinely did not mean to call you out. I literally thought that you said that you remembered one, but um just the quote so, from Fran we already oh, did. that you yeah. said earlier. Yeah. yeah. I, I wrote I also forgot to write them down because I've also been listening to them as an audiobook. You didn't forget, you just don't know where I just I, I literally I have no idea. I think I had some written down. We, we listeners, we meant to record this several months ago, to be fair to us. <gasps> well, pneumonia is away. a thing. <laughs> Bron- Bronwyn yeah, ran away and joined pneumonia. <laughs> and, <laughs> Which I do not recommend. Zero no, out of 10. Not as much fun as running away and joining the circus. No. <laughs> Would not do again. <laughs> no. But I did write down a couple that I really liked. Um, this is not an exact quote because it's from memory. But um, there's my my lovely mother has read the series also and loves them. And she frequently like quotes this scene and it entertains me so much. She was so amused by how much Adam was me in this moment. Uh. Uh, there's there's a moment very early on when he is like back with uh, Bobby and Tillamé for the first time in all these years where uh, Tillamé says something about those loonies out there. And I don't remember what she's talking about, but Adam just like deep sighs and goes, we don't call them that anymore. Mom. <laughs> My mom loves to quote that at me because I do that to people all the time. Like they don't say that anymore. That was teenage Chris fussing at literally any member of my family at all times. Like Amazing. we don't say that anymore. <laughs> so, I love mom your mom. Does love to quote that aggressively at me. <laughs> Amazing. That's so good. It's a great moment. It's delightful. I also really, I really, in an argument, uh, getting to that like classism theme, in an argument that Bobby and Adam have, he has this line where he's like, people aren't less just because they don't live the way you do. Yes. Ah, glorious. So good. Uh, uh, also, this one speaks to my hurt, comfort, abandonment issues deeply. Um, it's okay to ask for things, Adam. It's okay to need or want things for yourself. Thank you, Vic. Thanks, Vic. (laughs) And then in discussing Adam and like the choices he makes in the story, um, he does the right thing, whether or not anyone is watching without a promise of praise or reward. Yep. Yes. We love him. Exactly. And that, that always actually sticks out to me because that's a thing for me is. Yeah. When you do things, you should do them for you. And not for promise of praise or reward. Yeah. Praise and reward. Great. Everybody loves that. That's fine. But that's not why you do things. No. He just is good. And Mm -hmm. so goodness is what he chooses. Mm -hmm. He doesn't have to think about it. It just comes. It is what it is. 
I love that. Oh, I love these books so much. I know they're so good. Uh, They're truly like they skyrocketed up to one of my favorites immediately. Yeah. Yeah. So what on earth are we going to do next after this? Okay. So I had a real debate (laughs) Um, (laughs) and maybe this is what's about to happen because I've, I, I have it picked and then I changed my mind and then I changed it back. And then I did that about five more times. Uh, so I think what I'm about to do is give you two options. Okay. What you want to see. All right. All right. All right. So I was thinking either we will follow up on the Reaper theme. Ooh. And oh God, did I forget that this book was called? Ah, <laughs> 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 oh, the curse of the Chris strikes again. Yes. What I've been calling this book versus what this book is actually called. <laughs> we are so bad at titles. Holy crap. I like to call this gay reaper book, but yep. I know as, exactly what you're talking you about because I'm currently reading it. <laughs> uh, Until his last goodbye by Kiki Clark and Ian Lindsay. Mm-hmm. The first book in the Scythe series, but not the Scythe series by Neil Schusterman. That's a different Scythe series. Don't get confused. <laughs> Again, as with many of our romances, search them by the author. Yes. <laughs> it's very important. It's so important. Uh, that Scythe series is very depressing. I have read it too. Don't, not that one, this one. <laughs> yes. So this is Gay Reaper book, which okay. I, I am in love with and have made you read. Yes. The other opportunity is to go along with our it's Halloween theme. Yes. And read This Is Not a Horror Movie uh, by Sarah Doby Bauer. Okay. And I love these both. And just to be clear, we will be reading both at some point during my picks. <laughs> so oh, yes. which first is the actual question? Well, the let's go with Gay Reaper book then, because I've actually started that one and horror like book it. is up next. So perfect. Perfect. All right. Yes. Staying on the Reaper theme, you know how I love death. I know how you love death, and death is adorable. (laughs) It's so cute. Going for a very different dimension. Very, very (laughs) different vibe. So, uh, (laughs) until his last goodbye is a such a fluffy romance. What is so cute? It's like a big fluffy puppy. If we made you cry a lot. By reading these books, which we did because yeah. we cried too. Yeah. Um, we're gonna heal it now with mm-hmm. some fluff, cotton candy that's somehow about a Grim Reaper. Mm-hmm. <laughs> a Grim Reaper getting some. Hey, boy, boy, do he. Oh boy, do he. And you don't even have to fan cast because the author gave us the fan cast of that <laughs> in the description of the character. Yep. By describing him as a Hugh Grant looking motherfucker. Yep. <laughs> so cute it is it is so join us in awing and getting your hit of dopamine directly to your brain yep yep it is a nice it is a nice feeling it is a nice feeling (laughs) and with that stay hydrated bye (laughs) bye bye now and where can our listeners find you, Bronwyn? You can find me on all the things at Shiny Baby Bee. I mostly live on Twitter, where I usually am tweeting about what I'm reading, because I'm always reading. <laughs> and you can find me on Twitter at The Myth of Psyche, where I tweet about feminism, psychology, and also what I am reading. <laughs> and you can find me also on Gotham Outsiders, a podcast talking about queerness and feminism in the Bat family with my co-host, TJ. 
And you should also be checking out our parent podcast at Talking Comics on Twitter, or you can email them at podcast at talkingcomicbooks.com. And if you want to uncork more web comics goodness from our show, you can check us out on Twitter and Instagram at Thirsty on Tune, where we should be reading, drinking, and being nerdy. 